0: Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That would make me Glenn. Griffin's here. Grant's back with us. We'll do a little uh, this week and the rest of baseball a little bit later on this morning. My children are also here today, and so if you see two small creatures sort of run in in the background at some point, it's because i uh, They're at that age where I have very little control of them. They're currently watching, uh, they're, they're much like their father, they're currently out there watching WWE SmackDown. So hopefully oh. that keeps them entertained for a little while and uh, we'll keep things under control.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know what that noise was that I just heard, but I don't.
2: Exciting, uh, exciting SmackDown.
0: That's what. I don't think it was good. I don't think it was good. At some point, Grant, you might have to go out and make sure nobody's dead. You got might it. might be the uh, the responsibility the that you have on your... No, not babysitting. Just, just, just making <laughs> sure no one's currently concussed. <laughs> That's really all that I ask. I'm here for it. Coming up a little bit later on this morning, of course, it was a uh, special weekend at the ballpark as the Orioles celebrated the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series champions. You know, we've been celebrating that team all season long. And joining us today will be Storm Davis, who, of course was a significant part of that championship team, Storm Davis, uh, the uh, winning pitcher in Game 4 of the World Series, as, you know, he really kind of became a revelation during that uh, 1983 season, we'll talk to him about that, and what it meant to him to be back with the boys on Saturday night. Also coming up this morning, uh, that's on the good side. The Orioles on the bad side, obviously. The U.S. women, unfortunately, eliminated in the uh, the round of 16. Grant, if you don't mind, remind my sons they need to be a little <laughs> bit more quiet, okay? Thank you. I appreciate that. I anyway. Uh, well, you, anyway. 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 Okay. Anyway. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, they were eliminated in the round of 16 in penalty kicks against Sweden. We'll talk to our friend Caroline Means, of course, former NWSL goalie and uh, the wife of one John Means about what happened and, you know, what, who's to blame and what do they do now and all of those things. So we will uh, do that with Caroline a little bit later on. Also, it's a Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will check in with us, as he always does. That's all on tap here today on the program. It's important that I tell you, Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Superbook. Superbook is partnered with Glenn Clark Radio to make you a phenomenal offer. Win or lose, they are going to match your first bet up to $250. So again, you can make a $250 bet, win a ton of money, and still get $250 worth of free bets. Or even if you lose, you get that $250 worth of free bets. Absolutely worth dipping your toes in the water. Maybe you've signed up with other sports books, and perhaps after losing the initial money you put in, you said, Yeah, I'm good. This was fun for me, but I think I'm out. Here's a great opportunity. If you only ever bet, bet $250. That's it. That's it. And you did it with $250 worth of free bets. Glenn Clark, 23, G L E N N. C L A R K 23. Glenn Clark23 is the code that you have to use at superbook.com or when you download the SuperBook app in order to take advantage of this tremendous offer. Again, up to $250. Win or lose in free bets to match the very first bet that you make. So if you, you know, bet $75, they'll match it. To $75. If it's $150 to $150, all the way up to $250 on your First bet superbook.com. The code Glenn Clark G L E N N C L A R K Glenn Clark 23. All right. uh Orioles do indeed sweep the Mets over the weekend. Yesterday wasn't necessarily pretty, but a win's a win's a win's a win. So the Orioles win 2 0. Um, I'm not sure exactly what to make of the Kyle Bradish thing at the moment. Like, that's the disappointing part is there's your best starter, and the guy that's been your best starter all season long, and he can't last five innings without giving up a bunch of walks and stranding the bases loaded, but, you know, maybe if you have gotten a little offense, they would have been inclined to let him try to work his way out of the fifth. I don't know what to make about the Kyle Braddish thing, because somebody would say that two out of his last three starts have now been disappointing, and... He's also running up against it innings-wise. He will now, in his next start, surpass his career high for innings pitched. So, at some point, they need to think, like, are they going to start doing, like, some sort of rotation? Is it going to be that, like, once they decide that they think Kyle Bradish has hit a wall, they'll let Tyler Wells come back to the rotation for a couple weeks, and then Kyle Bradish will go? Like, I don't know what the thought process is going to be. What I appreciated about the Tyler Wells decision is it shows they were thinking about it. And they're going to have to think about it because, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is about to hit that number. And like Dean Kramer, everybody besides Flaherty and Gibson are dealing with these issues. So the Orioles are going to have to be creative in how they go about handling it. There is no perfect science, as we've said a million times. And Kyle Braddish is the guy that you would like to have closer to the top of the rotation when you get to the playoffs. Whereas I think Tyler Wells, a lot of us had kind of assumed was always going to be at best maybe back, a, you know, a fourth guy or a bullpen arm by the rotation. It would be very disappointing if you've got to try to put together a playoff rotation that doesn't involve Kyle Braddish because he's the one that's completely hit the wall. So they do need to be thinking about it in some form or fashion of course story yesterday the bullpen was outstanding cnl perez comes in gets him out of that jam gives him another inning fujinami i mean my god what else do you say
3: that was disgusting.
0: Yes, it was just pure <laughs> filth from and, Fujinami. And
2: do you think that had anything to do with the short leash on Brad? Like just knowing that the bullpen's very well rested, they have an off day tomorrow. I, I,
0: I it, it, was really interesting because as we were watching while we were doing the show yesterday, mm-hmm. I, like you would look at the lineup that they put out there before the game, almost as the hey, you know, whatever happens today, we've already won the series, not the end of the world, we're not directly competing against the Mets. You put up, put out that lineup. Like, why did you need to have McCann play twice this weekend? Right? Mets, like, Mets revenge game. Or weekend. It was great on Friday, <laughs> unquestionably. But why did you feel the need? Is it just as simple as it was a, because they didn't have an off day last week and it was day game yeah. after night game. You decided you didn't want to have him play. Toronto games are more important than the Mets games were, so you had planned ahead of time that McCann was going to be playing twice. The Mateo experiment in center field is of no value. I love my – Mark guy, Paul Valley, the host of the Bat Around, has been like enamored with this idea of Mateo playing center field as if the Mateo problem has been he needs to play a different position. It has nothing to do with what the actual problem is. Now, they said Austin Hayes was going through something yesterday, so that clearly created an issue. Um, but did you need to have Mateo and McKenna, for example, in the lineup together? It was just a weird, weird day. And O'Hearn was sitting and... I mean it was a lefty, but... But yeah. we've kind of... We've seen O'Hearn hit against lefties a little bit of late, and... I, it was all just weird. It was a weird day and so on paper you could sort of find yourself saying hey this is just their kind of punt lineup like they're we've again we've already won the series it's the mets. And so then I was actually a little surprised based on the lineup they put out there when they did go get Kyle Bradish in the fifth inning. And it almost felt like it was more about protecting Kyle Bradish than it was about, you know, the the game circumstance. It was it felt like they didn't want to have Kyle Bradish have the taste in his mouth of two out of three bad starts while he's grinding, almost like, let's not go through this. We know we got an innings problem with Bradish. Let's go get him now. To your point, yes, it obviously helps they had a rested bullpen and that they knew they had a day off today coming. So they didn't need to protect anyone for today. Yesterday was a day they could have used Batista for two innings if necessary because he didn't pitch at all on Saturday night once they got the extra run in the eighth to make it a 4-1 run differential, which even that kind of surprised me a little bit. I was like, mm. maybe he could just use the work. But they wanted to protect him, and they were going to have him for as many as two innings if necessary, knowing they had a day off coming. I'm sure they would have preferred to have not done that because you don't want to have to, to fire that type of bullet in a game against a bad team from the other league that's just going to have no bearing. You would far prefer to not have to do it. Ultimately, you know, they pressed all the right buttons. They, they got a win. Thankfully the bullpen was firing on all cylinders was, and let's be fair the Mets stink. And like, so it was,
2: it's nice that we know Buckshot Watcher's allegiances still lie here. Right, not pinch hitting for DJ storms, yep, making sure the bases he loaded, sticks it has lefty. His, his
0: guy DJ. His guy DJ. God love him. Um yeah, the Met, by the way, credit like the the, the 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 Mets fan club that like traveled to Baltimore this weekend. Yeah. It wasn't an overwhelming number of Mets fans. It wasn't like a Red Sox or a Yankees thing from the past, but there was this one particular Mets fan club called like the Seven Line Army or something like that. Um, God bless them they because were, they, cause they had all of left field, right? Or not like, all, not all of left. I they mean, had look, a, the they had like look. two sections of the third base line. Okay. Um okay. And if if I my team was as disappointing and bad as the Mets was, I would have attempted to bail on this trip some time ago. <laughs> Like, imagine showing up well, proud cab- cabin yards, of know. this. That's fine. But, like, I would have at least tried to see. It might have been difficult for the rest of the weekend. Saturday, you probably could have dumped your tickets because there was actual demand for tickets. Um, but the rest of the weekend, I would have at least tried to figure out if what I could get out of. They said they missed James McCann. They wanted to see their boy, That's James That's right. McCann. They wanted to see McCann. <laughs> and they wanted to honor Mets legend, Eddie Murray, on Saturday. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um god bless him again yes. it would be a very difficult thing i i look i have traveled to watch bad baseball before i have done it i was there for what was supposed to be cal ripkin's final game at yankee stadium that ended up not being that because of uh, 9-11 and the game's being moved back so I, I spent all this money on a ticket to what was supposed to be the final game of the season at yankee stadium i was a college freshman i did not have a hundred dollars to spend on a baseball ticket but i wanted to be there for cal ripkin's final game it was important to me and then 9-11 occurred, and they moved all the baseball games from that week to the end of the season. And now the game that I had just spent $100 on was nothing, was irrelevant. And you couldn't resell the tickets because nobody wanted the tickets at that point. Like, yeah. Much like I didn't want them, no one else wanted them. So my cho- choices were $100 and nothing, <laughs> like just eat it and stay home, or go up and see Yankee Stadium. And that's what I decided to do. It was actually the only time I ever visited the old Yankee Stadium. It was for that game. It was a dump. What a terrible! It's the thing that you're not supposed to say about these like historic stadiums, but like that place was trash. How it was awful. I mean, just an atrocious place to watch a baseball game. Uh, you can understand why, despite all of the history, they tried to. Nobody wants to say this. They should have done that with Fenway Park at some point. Like they're not pleasant places to watch baseball games. People just decide you know, history, history, history. This is so scary important that we don't care we don't care if we're getting kicked in the nuts the entire time. It's awesome. We love the the, the, the right to get kicked in the nuts. It's stupid. It's a bad place. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's me okay. way off the point. Fenway is completely I mean, No, Fenway's a dump. It is unpleasant. There is not enough room. I, the there is no room to move in the concourse. There is no room at your seats. The seats are too small. The angles don't all make sense. They don't all actually face. Look, th- that's a problem at a lot of places. They, they don't figure out the angles. Like, even down the third base line at Camden Yards, yeah. I, I don't I've want to... It. I have to no watch. interest in sitting at the third base line at Camden Yards because it's terrible. Trust me. I understand it doesn't just exist... the Jumbotron, ben... you know. That's true. You do have that. <laughs> it is a problem that exists throughout baseball like where you're this the angle of the field goes a certain way so you feel like the seats have to go the same way but that don't make sense because now you got to like twist and contort your body and have the uh, armrest jamming into your side in order to be able to face home plate it's just stupid but again we're completely beside the point
2: i enjoyed Fenway. i mean you can enjoy whatever you enjoy the last it's a dump
0: it's a dump (laughs) that's what it is But it's their dump, and they're very proud of their dump. God bless them, right? And it's a historic dump, so they've got that going for them. Moral of the story was that I've been there. I've been in those Mets fans' shoes, so God bless them also for coming down and uh, spending their weekend watching their team get their ass kicked when they were already bad. God bless them. Pleasant weekend. No major takeaways for me from the weekend other than, like, the Braddish thing is concerning. Uh, Nice to see Kyle Gibson go seven innings. You're going to need those guys. Gibson and Flaherty are going to need to be horses. They're going to need to be the guys they were that Gibson was supposed to be when he signed that you thought you might be able to get from Flaherty when you traded for him. Those two guys have to be the guys that are giving you innings. They can't be the guys that prove to be the problem that make you deplete your bullpen. You need that type of effort from those two dudes. They've got to come through for you. Um... It's, it doesn't even necessarily have to be brilliant. I didn't even think that Kyle Gibson was brilliant. He wasn't on Saturday night, right? Like, he just battled. And that's the biggest thing. Battle. Give the team a chance. Obviously, it helps the Mets are bad. But give them innings. Innings. Because every other starter, it's going to be a problem. Every other starter, you're not going to know exactly what you're going to be able to get from them. So they've got to get the innings. Like, that. that's the biggest. As a, I, Look, my column today at PressBoxOnline.com will be about... This topic that we did on the radio show yesterday where I was asking everybody, do you believe, do you start to believe it's possible this team can win the World Series? And it was it all kind of spawned from the conversation that we had with John Smoltz last Monday where he was like, this team is good enough to win the World Series. And my immediate reaction was like, whoa, (laughs) whoa. Is this team? Because as you know, all season long I've been saying like, well, you can't trade for a rental because – a rental not going to win you a world series they're not good enough that's that's unreasonable and then all of a sudden in like the week or two leading up to the trade deadline i was like yeah but you could get snell and hater <laughs> like you could do that and then i realized what i was saying was like completely why am i saying this why am i abandoning my philosophy and it's because i'm kind of starting to believe and look they didn't get snell and hater they got a pitcher and that's a good thing and i hope that pitcher continues to pitch like he did last week but my the reality is that i'm kind of starting to believe i'm not telling you i think it's likely i'm not telling you they're a favorite i'm not telling you any of those things and the biggest thing that stands in the way is mapping out how much pitching you can get and who's going to be able to be effective right now you feel pretty good about grayson rodriguez but can i project that to october not yet yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know certainly feel good about flaherty's first start but is that the flaherty you're going to get the rest of the way and adrenaline adrenaline you know boosted flaherty. Right. right the means thing is the complete wild card in all this and the statement that i made i don't think there is a map to the orioles being able to do this to make a significant run in the playoffs if it doesn't involve john means coming back and being some semblance of john means Which is unfair. It's an unfair standard to have for a guy that you like, who knows if he'll even be able to pitch. It's just my point is, if he doesn't, I don't think you can map your way there. I don't think you can, short of like D.L. Hall being something, what it would require to make up for that is just, that's the only reasonable way I can see it occurring. But is it impossible? I can't say that anymore. They've won 70 games. They've won 70 baseball games on August 7th. They continue to every. They don't blink. The guy that was their best starting pitcher to start the season has to go down to get reset. Okay. They're all right. The best player that they had on the team gets hurt twice. Okay. They're all right. They should get a significant boost. It looks like Cedric Bump. Mont- that catch he made on Saturday would certainly suggest that he's not that far away. Perhaps tomorrow night he's back. That should help this baseball team. He might need a couple of weeks to ramp up like he did the last time, unfortunately. That's okay. The standard of what they've been getting in center field is so low that if he can just play good defense, they're going to be able to make up for it. They have re- There's reason for me to believe I don't, it's no longer crazy to me to talk about the possibility because we're this deep into it. And sure, maybe I'm swept up in the emotions of the scene of all those guys being back as we're about to chat with Storm Davis. Like, m- maybe I'm feeling some of the emotion of that scene from Saturday night. And maybe that's hitting me in a certain way. I don't know. 100,000 people over back to back weekends being in Baltimore. Griffin, are you, you know, okay. Um, maybe I'm caught up in it. The fact that I went to the game on Saturday, saw an opening day crowd for an August baseball game in Baltimore, something we haven't seen in a very long time. I don't know, but I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe that it's not crazy, that it's possible. It's going to take extraordinary circumstances, but it's possible.
3: I think you got a lot of thousands of people on your side, evident, as evidenced by people going to the games. Well, I mean,
0: whether that's that or it's just right. uh, 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 like a good giveaway and a good celebrate—I I don't know—but it's just that once, two a month ago, it was unreasonable for me to talk about it that way. Right? Unreasonable. I can no longer feel that it's an unreasonable conversation. That's just where I am. I'm—I'm I'm at the point where I can't say unreasonable any longer. Hey, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Well, all summer we have been catching up with members of the 1983 World Series champion Baltimore Orioles to help celebrate the 40th anniversary and what a scene it was on Saturday night as these guys were back and in attendance and boy, it was just kind of awesome before the game joining us. Now, this man was kind of a revelation in 83. He was outstanding 29 starts 13 and seven with a 3.59 ERA. He is storm Davis and he is with us on Glenn Clark radio Storm, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning.
4: Oh, Glenn, it's my pleasure. Anytime I can talk about our teammates and what we were able to do in 1983 for our city and for the organization, I'm, I'm happy to do.
0: Well, before we get to that year, can you just take me through Saturday night and this weekend and obviously Friday and what it meant to you to be back around those guys and that atmosphere at Camden Yards, which was just unreal.
4: Uh, you know frankly I, it'll probably take me a week to process everything uh, it's a it's a unbelievable how we can be most of us haven 't seen each other in twenty years how we can pick up on conversations that we've had for almost five decades now wow so That's... it's it's incredible uh how we connected and uh i'm very thankful we're all very thankful that the Orioles decided to do this and it was just an incredible time to spend time with as many guys as I could and catch up and, and reminisce and, and, and really honestly and even talk about the current team. So it was a lot of fun.
0: That was the part that was wild like, you know, this would have been a special celebration. All those things that you talked about with those guys would have been special no matter what. But I bring up the atmosphere. This was a sold out crowd I mean, this was goosebumps on Saturday night for all of us that were there. For the team to be playing this well, for you guys to have the opportunity to interact with them. And I, you know, I know that not everyone has remained completely connected to Baltimore over the years. But how much more special did it make this weekend than even it would have been, no matter what?
4: I it just in great time, great timing. Um, first, you got to credit the current team; they're playing well, and I, I don't want to jinx them. I'm just, i know they're <laughs> taking it a series and a game at a time, so I'm not gonna. I don't want to go into too much depth with that, but uh, honestly, standing out in front of that or in the middle of that field. Um, what you felt, I personally felt. It's been a long time since I've heard noise like that, so it was, it was quite uh, just almost humbling that uh, we were recognized in, in that way. And I'm just again, I'm very grateful.
0: It's funny because I had a buddy of mine that was there at the game with me, whose dad said, "This is this is what Memorial Stadium was like, like this." this made me feel the magic again. And I was like, man, it kind of put a tear in my eye, to be honest with you, Storm. Like, it really was that special. Um, so you get together with the guys. Who's, who's the guy that's the best storyteller? Like, who is the one that was regaling everyone the most this weekend?
4: Well, I, I'm going to go with a couple of guys. Uh, Singy is, um, hey, he's that guy. And then I think Bod is the guy amongst the pitchers. So Mac Bodden and myself kind of hung out with Tippy, and uh, uh you know I'll be honest we were uh we talked a little about Flanny and uh yeah. what he meant to all of us yeah um but those two guys in particular you know singy uh was i mean he was he and Al were probably uh b were there probably if we had a captain, even though junior played every day, and Eddie was <laughs> Eddie, but those guys kind of stood out in that uh they we kind of went as those guys went.
0: Uh, that's not a bad group and of course we, I think everybody in this town has been able to have conversations with those guys and you know they're not going to last five minutes like it, it doesn't work that way when you sit down with Ken that's Singleton correct. and God bless you for it um, Storm let's go back to 83 you're a very young man at that point right like you're in your second year um, did you have the feel like I, I talked to so many of the guys that were part of 79 and and how much that drove them when you arrived here did you already know, like, look around, this is a group of guys that I'm going to be able to win a World Series with?
4: Oh, no, I had, I had no reference for that. You know, I had been around them in spring training a little bit in 82 and then again in, in 83. But uh, I, Again, as a young guy and kind of just leaning in and listening to a lot of what's going on, I knew it was very important to show up and do your best every day. I knew that much. Uh, and nothing else was required. It just that we wanted to, everybody wanted to do their best. I think that 's why it was a, a complete team effort. roll guys here and there, and I filled in where i could and, and bob did and so it, it, it didn 't really matter who got the credit i don 't think any of us cared who got the credit. The bottom line was a win and and that's what, at the end of the day, it's what we did.
0: You delivered some, like, truly spectacular performances that season. The flirting with a the no-hitter, the, the brilliance at Fenway Park. Did, did, was it naive? Did you just not know any better, like, then, why were you never daunted by any of these situations? Obviously, Game 4 of the World Series. You're such a young man. Why were you never daunted by any of it?
4: Uh, two, two reasons. Uh, Jim Palmer and Mike Flanagan. Really. Jake's would Jake's would sit me down about a day or two before any big game, in parentheses, their big game, and he would go over the lineup in such detail that I had no I had no gray area. Wow. I knew exa- I mean, I wasn't. I was really basically a two pitch pitcher. Uh, I kind of occasionally threw a changeup, but not very much. But I knew where to go in the zone. I knew when to go vertical, horizontal, and what counts. I could throw my curveball in, and then I would circle back around to Flanny and kind of filter it through him as well so i I, when i got to the mound i was as prepared as anybody in the park and uh all i had to do was go out and execute
0: how much do you feel like that you know pitching for over a decade in baseball the way that you did how much of that i don't want to say oh if that's the right word but maybe is because of that like if if you hadn't been around jim palmer if you hadn't been around mike flanagan if you hadn't been in these circumstances do you ever wonder if it would have been the same way for you
4: I, I, I do, but I'm very great, grateful and thankful that I, I mean, I think at least once I shared that uh, with some fans this, this weekend about, I, I just got dropped in the middle of a, a bunch of guys that had their PhDs in baseball. And I was the one-on-one guy. And like I said, all I had to do was lean in and listen. And then I, I had to apply what I heard.
0: It worked out okay. Storm Davis is with us here on GCR. We're celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Orioles' World Series title. Um, Storm, that season, everybody talks about the fact that this is – it's funny because the the current Orioles won their 70th game, and it was a reminder that you guys hadn't won 70 games by that point that season, right? Um, You guys went through some adversity. What was it? What was it about that team that two different seven-game losing streaks – other losing streaks that you experienced, that like nothing was too much and you guys were able to just snap right back out of it? It's...
4: Again, I, I think it goes to leadership. Um, I i don't think there was a time when anybody looked around and thought that we weren't going to get there at the end. So I, I think that just kind of alleviated any kind of fear of failing or, hey, we're not going to get there. Or, you know, we'll get close again. I wasn't a part of the team that won those games in 80 and finished second to the Yankees. but. I, I never heard any of that. I mean, it was just kind of a we were loose group. We were a prepared group. Uh, so, again, all we needed to go out and do was take it a game at a time. And I know that's cliche, but that's what we did better than most.
0: What, you know, who is the guy that maybe doesn't get enough credit, Storm? Like, who's the guy that, like, their role on that team maybe isn't celebrated the way that, like, 40 years later you say, we don't win the World Series if not for this person?
4: Uh. I'm going to go with Rich Dower. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Richie, I can still hear him from the mound uh, kind of talking with Eddie and Junior about moving around and where to be and all that stuff. So I, I, Richie didn't exceed, obviously seek the spotlight. And, you know, we had, like I said, we had a Hall of Famers on our team. But Richie was, he was the guy. I mean, he, he wasn't gifted – with a lot of physical gifts, but he knew how to play the game. And uh, a lot of it uh, goes back to him kind of in the margin, so to speak, talking with the other infielders and even some of the pitchers and how he was going to play defensively and what we were going to do and how we were going to pitch certain guys.
0: And obviously we're thinking about Rich right now. It was such a shame that he wasn't able to be in and we know what he's going through. And uh, yeah. A special human being, clearly. A very, yeah. very yeah. special human being. Um, there's something that you said during the press conference on Friday that jumped out at me, Storm, which is that you guys kind of, like, you, you didn't think, you weren't thinking about the World Series as the season went on. As you said, you just took it a game at a time. Um, how, how important do you feel like, you know, you reference what this team is trying to do right now, that, that they're able to just live in the moment, that they're able to just sort of play games and not have to deal with, like, that burden of, hey, it's World Series or bust.
4: Right. I, I think in the current team, and I'm, I know Brandon a little bit because he is one of the guys that hired me when I worked for the Cubs. There couldn't be a better man in charge. So I think a lot of times with young baseball teams, <clears throat> they can assume the manager's personality to an extent. And think of everything that Brandon is. I, I mean, I know a little bit about the man and the baseball guys off the charts. Uh, so with us, it just referenced to singing uh, Eddie Dipper, and all the other guys that assumed that leadership role and like I said, all we had to do as young guys just to kind of get in the in the draft and go on to our job and we needed to do it.
0: Um you, you know, tell me about like did, did you give get a sense for cause I, I try to talk about this all the way. Knowing you what you've known about Brandon and his interactions with players, do you have a sense for like how much credit he deserves for this culture that exists right now in Baltimore?
4: Oh, uh, I, I I think I know he would deflect it. But years ago, uh, when I, we were both with the Cubs, I had the B team. I was with the B team in spring training. He was technically the manager for that game, and I was his pitching coach. And I remember just saying to myself, and I, I'm, honestly, I, I don't remember if I did or didn't, but I, re- I might have said it out loud. I said, man, you're one day, that, this is a big league manager. Wow. I mean, he was able to p- process stuff, his communication skills, and it's not so much what you say, it's when you say it. And that's what separates, I think, a lot of big league managers from kind of being like everyone else and being a little different. And that's where he, his category is that. I think he knows when to go in and approach somebody. I think if you're not playing hard or doing what he knows you think you can do, I'm sure he gets in there a little bit. But more or less, he just backs off and lets them play, and I, I, he couldn't ask for a
0: better guy to play for. Man, you can tell. You can tell. It's a really, really special thing. Um, Storm, what all do you keep? What all do you still have in your life from 1983? Do you have anything from Game 4? Do you have anything from the night you guys want? Like, do, do you still have anything in your life from 1983?
4: Oh, yeah. I got In my office, I have, most of my pitchers are from either 82, 83, or 84. I, I have the chart, the game chart, that I threw against the Phillies' frame. Nice. My, and I got to credit my wife for that. I, I I didn't do any of that. She did that. So, my, I mean, I was blessed to play with four other teams, but yep. there's only the Orioles. I only have Orioles Oriole pictures in my office.
0: Wow. Wow, that's kind of neat. And obviously we know that, you, you know, like you experienced more success in your career. So it's really cool that that means so much to you. And, like, can I ask... As you're back around these guys, like, has your perspective of of this changed at all? Like, I I don't know, you know, when, when you're 21 years old, or you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, I'm gonna win a hundred of these things, right? Like, it's all I'm ever gonna do." Has has your perspective of the team and the accomplishment and what it's meant to you has it changed at all for you over the course of four decades?
4: It, it has, and and I'm gonna look through the lens of the '88 '89 teams I was a part of in Oakland. Yeah, when we got we got to them, we got, I lost one, one, one. And I remember after the second one, we beat the Giants. I looked back to the 83 team. And now we were a different kind of team in Oakland as a, compared to our 83 team in Baltimore. But I tell you what, the climb to the mountain or getting on top of the mountain, if you're a player and or team, and you're not thinking about where you're going, but what you're doing on that particular day, like we talked about earlier, then I, you, you can be really good. Particularly in a game with so much failure. Um, knowing how to deal with it in the university and such. The 83 team was the best I've ever been around on wow. how to do that. Wow. Wow. I,
0: I, it's a special group of guys. I, Storm Davis, I can't, I guess for, I, the question I should ask, what are you up to these days? What's, what's life look well, like for Storm Davis?
4: Well, I, uh, I help a little bit at a local high school baseball. Uh, I wouldn't even consider myself the pitching coach.
5: Okay.
4: I just, I just go up there. I literally, it's a mile away. We have some really good young pitchers to kind of watch and uh, just pass it on to the next generation. I think what I've been gifted by God, I, I just want to take what I've learned from all the greats that I learned from and pass it on to somebody else.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, Storm Davis. I can't. This is this this Saturday night is going to be a, a core memory for me. I'm uh, I'm a 40 year old man, so I was uh, you know a, an itty baby when you guys won that World Series, but. Man, that was a special night and um, a special atmosphere, and it was such a cool thing to have you guys back in here in the midst of what this team is doing right now. Um, I, I don't know what else there is to say other than thank you for uh, memories that you gave baseball fans throughout this region, and it was great to catch up with you this morning. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us.
4: Uh, you're Certainly you're welcome at any time.
0: That's Storm Davis, of course, uh, second-year pitcher for the 1983 Orioles who – came through big time time and time again that season for that team um you know it was funny because they actually introduced jim palmer last on saturday which is weird because think like, everybody that knows would say jim palmer was not a terribly significant part of the 83 world series team now the point that was made you know like he became the first ever pitcher to win world series games in three different decades which is cool because he won one of those games in relief but like The pitching was Boddicker, McGregor, and Storm Davis. Like that, that was how they pitched their way to a World Series title. Um, So it was cool they actually had those guys come out together. They actually had my my kids are thinking they can play on the furniture now. Just saw that out of the corner of my eye. I don't know what I don't know what happened to wrestling. I don't know what happened to that. What are you talking about? They're doing the real. Yeah, now they (laughs) they watched it and they want to. This is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. I'm gonna need to take a break and go deal with this problem. Griffin, you want to tell everybody about what's coming up at Live Casino? Yeah, oh, sure. Oh, man, Live Casino and Hotel.
2: Yeah, I want to tell everybody
0: about the new member program. We're all about more yes, so
2: sign up for Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards today and earn up to $50. Take a spin with free slot play or join the action with direct bet or indulge in your favorite dining experience with comps. All new members will receive a free tote bag as well. For more information, go to maryland.livecasinohotel.com. That's maryland.livecasinohotel.com. Arundel Mills must be twenty-one. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one eight
0: hundred Gambler. All right. When we come back in, we will catch up with Caroline Means. Obviously, it was the, the good news this weekend was the Orioles. The bad news was the mm-hmm. soccer. We will talk about that. What happened exactly? We'll try to get to the bottom of it with our friend Caroline Means next here on GCR. <laughs> You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
6: Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Baytoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game meet-the-team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm
7: Michael Jan Grandy, president of of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com.
8: That first sip,
7: that first bite, picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore, check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard, they check all the boxes. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience
8: and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn.
0: All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Orioles are off tonight before they open up a three-game set against the Astros tomorrow night. Uh, unfortunately, not a ton of help this weekend as the Orioles are trying to continue to put distance on the Rays. They are three games up, four games up in the loss column. In the AL East, uh, do the Rays play tonight? I don't know what their deal is. Good question. The Rays, There's a lot of teams in action. The Rays tonight. are off. The okay. Rays are off. They open up a series against the card. No, not helpful. The Cardinals tomorrow. Oh. I, yuck! At home. That's not. That's not great. While well, the Orioles are playing the Astros, Rays playing the Cardinals, Orioles playing the <laughs> Astros. Not ideal. It's not saw, like, ideal at all. Not I, d- ideal. I
2: saw someone say that the, that the Orioles had the easiest schedule of the division, but like it doesn't seem that way. Not like the remaining, the race, like well, racing, like so. I think
0: everybody we looked at the immediate stretch and said yeah. it's the most difficult stretch. But the truth I is, is that like the stretch for the the entire second half, the Orioles right. had the toughest. We do have the Cardinals coming up as well in September. Well, that's so. good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you hope that they don't <laughs> suddenly find something at that point. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but, yes, the Orioles are off today before they open up that series. Tomorrow, uh, Orioles will send uh, Grayson, Flaherty, and Kramer to the mound this week against the Astros and uh, Fromber Valdez. I had a couple of friends tell me that they are planning on going tomorrow night because of the never-know factor. So, because Fromber Valdez is coming off the no-hitter, like, there's still the, what if he were to throw back-to-back no-hitters and do the Johnny Vander, There's Of course, Johnny Vandermeer, the only pitcher that's ever done back-to-back no-hitters. So, like go just in case there's this opportunity at history being made and i said yeah that sounds like an idea but also it would be awful (laughs) it would be terrible so i i have no such interest in being there for that tomorrow but yeah valdez javier and hunter brown the pitchers for the astros in this series uh we also now know that there will be no reunion between the ravens and justin houston Justin Houston signs with the Panthers. And it's a, it's a little odd between that and Calais Like, the Calais Campbell thing at the time, you kind of thought was like, a, if you're Calais Campbell and you don't know that Lamar Jackson's going to be back, why would you be here? But then you saw it was Atlanta, and you said to yourself, well, you have no chance of winning anything in Atlanta, so why wouldn't you have waited it out? Which now makes you wonder if this was like kind of the Ravens purposely saying, we are going to get younger in the front seven. That's just the way it's going to be. We're we are going to prioritize youth, speed, whatever it is. We are hell bent on getting younger. There is still the possibility of Kyle Van Noy. Um, there's been a lot of smoke about that as the Ravens try to look for maybe some depth. I, okay, I, I'm not I'm not going to pretend to be broken hearted about Justin Houston. Good guy. We enjoyed having him out on the Tyus Bowser show last year and. At the beginning of the season, he was a revelation, right? Like, for the first,
2: even what was it, eight weeks yeah, of the season? Yeah.
0: He was a monster. He was having the type of, like, at one point we sat down to do our um, Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year conversation last year, <laughs> and at one point I said, look, I know this is crazy, but, like, the numbers that Justin Hughes is putting up right now, if somehow that were to continue, we're talking about Defensive Player of the Year. Like, it's nuts what he's doing. But obviously that was not. Even close to the case as Justin Houston kind of seemed to hit a wall, and I don't know if the the Ravens sort of internally said, "Yeah, we just think that's it. Like we just think that it's over." Um, for the total for the totality of the year, it would be easy to say he was very productive and very helpful, but it was kind of a tale of two seasons in that process. So I, I'm not. Uh. Yeah, had all of his sacks in the first ten weeks. Week nine. Week nine he had a two and a half sack game. So one, two, four. In the first five games he played, because he also missed three games last year. The first five games he played, he had six and a half, eight and a half sacks. And then in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games that he played, he had one total sack. He did have a sack in the playoff game as well. Um, I get it, given the questions that we have about Ajabo and Owe, and given the familiarity with Justin Houston, it would have made a lot of sense. But it really does come off as the Ravens saying, we are going to prioritize getting younger up front. We want to be a younger team in the defensive front, and we'll see how that works out. And maybe we'll look back and say, that was silly, probably could have used some veteran experience and if justin houston is productive in carolina we will think about that a little bit but it will not be a reunion in baltimore for justin houston all right so the good news this weekend was the birds the bad news unfortunately uh us women out of the world cup and uh, i was up yesterday morning because it was my morning to serve down at the helping up mission and as i was serving i had the match on and i was living and dying and getting distracted and that was my fault Um, but in PKs, the U.S. eliminated by Sweden. Joining us now to uh, talk about that, what happened, and now who's going to win the World Cup. She is our friend Caroline Means, former NWSL goalie, and she's back with us here on GCR. Caroline, it's Glenn. It's good to talk to you, but I wasn't expecting to have this conversation with you at this point.
1: I can tell you that I was not expecting this conversation quite yet
0: either. So Um,
1: that makes two of us. How do
0: how, I guess if like if we at, it's not just yesterday, right? Because the argument is that yesterday was probably about as well as we had seen them play throughout the course of the tournament for stretches of that match. But how do you best define what happened in total over the course of these last three matches and why this team wasn't more capable of scoring goals? And I, sometimes I know this is a sport where there's a lot of bad luck, and I thought certainly yesterday in moments there was bad luck, but I don't know, one total goal over three matches for one of the best teams in the world, I don't think it can all be about luck.
1: I think you have hit some very good points. One of the things that I was in the match yesterday I I was struck by was I felt like maybe some changes needed to be made a little earlier. Yes, you're right. I felt like yesterday was one of their better performances thus far in the tournament. But it's uncharacteristic for the USA DNA to have so few shots on goal and so few goals period. And I felt like there was some aspects of the performance yesterday that were not indicative of a flow that the team never maintained. They never maintained a flow. And I almost felt that uneasiness coming into the tournament that we weren't seeing a, a whole unit coming together interchangeable with different pieces. And I think that's a successful soccer team. If you can implement different people into positions and it doesn't change the team identity. And I felt like this team was still clawing to find who they're who they were, what they were going to move like or in this tournament. And, and they just didn't ever get their footing. Now PKs are cool. We know this. Um, and Alyssa Nair, she did her job, your right. job as a goalkeeper is to save one PK. And that is if you are, I mean, that's not even expected at this level. Mm-hmm. But she did her job. And as a field player, you absolutely have to put away your PK. It's, it's really a game of who's going to mess up, who's going to lose their nerve, who's going to let the moment be too big for them. And unfortunately, the U.S. were on the wrong end of that.
0: So what you just said there, I I wonder. It, like it felt to me almost like I was watching a team that was burdened at times. That like mm. the burden of the expectations, the burden of you know being the two-time defending world champs, and um, you know whatever you know burden they carry for the the targets that, that that you know some of them have because there's a portion of the country that doesn't like their their politics or whatever it is. And I in watching the PKs yesterday and three PKs that aren't even on frame. And maybe it's just the mm-hmm. burden of the, the struggles of the two matches beforehand, right? Like, I, Did you feel any of that where like, maybe there was a, some sort of pressure that was on them? Because to your point, like it's one thing if you face a goalie and that goalie is just making spectacular saves, but to have three PKs out of six not be on frame, that's, that's almost unheard of for a team of this magnitude.
1: It's absolutely unheard of for the national team, and when I say national team, I'm obviously speaking for our U.S. women. It is uncharacteristic because traditionally this team has been known for having nerves of steel. And you speak about the burden. I think that there it was a smaller percentage of this team who are were the women who were a part of the last couple World Cups. They're the women who are a strong force for moving forward for equal pay for more Mm -hmm. marketing deals for more TV deals. These women had, you know, that's not a job of a soccer player. And I think that some of these women were doing more than just being a soccer player. And that is wonderful. That is their calling. That is what they're passionate about. But then there's a bulk of the team who are that younger generation who are coming in now knowing through their adolescent years that this is a job that they can do that can sustain their life. And I think that you have two very different generations playing together. And I'm not saying that didn't allow a cohesiveness, but I think that it can be difficult to just level with one another and create an identity. And and I Mm. think that I wouldn't say they were distracted. I know we had talked about, they go down there, they're in a bubble. You're not seeing friends and family you've deleted social media you're in the hotel you're meeting with your team eating with your team everything i think that i just keep coming back to it the cohesiveness wasn't there i i love flatco i am a flatco believer okay. but that doesn't mean that maybe he's not necessarily the coach for this team and i think that's something that gets misconstrued with coaching because I've been online. It seems like everybody wants to point the fingers at Vladko, which I understand. I think that there were definitely some things that he could have done differently. However, I'm not sure what this team is going to look like moving forward. You have Julie Ertz saying she potentially just played her last game.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And she and Naomi had incredible chemistry on the back line. Um, Alyssa Nair is no spring chicken either. That's going to be a huge void to fill if she can't make it another four years. So this team is in a... I think they're in a transition period. And I think that they're in a transition period coming into the World Cup, and I think that's honestly one of the most dangerous places to be.
0: Did, did you sense... You know, we're talking with Caroline Means here on GCR. And I, what you just brought up... I wanted to bring up some of the criticisms of Vladko. Did you feel like it was an almost impossible needle for him to thread with trying to be respectful to the veterans on this team that have gotten them to two world titles? And that have earned this opportunity versus, like, that, like it, there was almost no way to do all these. I, I know, that, for example, there was a lot of criticism that was levied yesterday about putting Megan Rapinoe in when she appeared to be struggling during mm-hmm. the course of the World Cup, but, like, you know, this is Megan Rapinoe that we're talking about. Like, this is one of the most respected soccer players in the history of the sport. It, was it almost impossible what was being asked of him to try to do both of these things at once?
1: I think that the unwritten rules of sport get a little bit complicated, especially when you're talking about veterans. This is the World Cup. It only happens every four years. It's not just tournament play through a year. Um, it's not just a for funsies or whatever. It's the World Cup, and you bench someone if they're not doing their job, period. So, I, and I think that if you're going to be honest, like, it doesn't matter who that is. I, for example, I, I played in the NWSL with Pino, Mm -hmm. um, my rookie year and our head coach at the time, Laura Harvey, who there's a lot of talk right now, you know, is Vladko going to keep his job? Um, I grew up with Vladko in my club system. He is from, obviously he's not originally from Kansas city, but he is, he says he's from Kansas city. That's where he's been the last two and and a half decades. So I've watched him evolve as a coach. Now I will say Laura Harvey has that X factor of, she could look Hope Solo in the eye and be like, you're not doing this. Hmm. Megan you're not doing this you're going to sit on the bench and explaining that it's for the good of the team it's for the win it's for the next match and sometimes if chemistry is just not flowing then you need to change something and I would say that he showed that he wasn't confident in himself or in whatever his other option was to make those changes and ultimately it did hurt them.
0: That's um, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. But to your point, it's something that you have. To, if you're in that role, you got to be capable and ready to make those moves. And it just didn't seem like he was pushing the right buttons. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people. You know, Carolina will say something like, "It's also proof that the 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 world has closed the gap, right?" And I think there's no doubt that that's part of the story. But it, is your belief? I mean, this is st- we're still talking about the, the team that won the last two World Cups in this situation. Like, is, is your thought that, like, if somebody says the era of dominance is over now, what would you say back to that?
1: The era of dominance is not over because we still are home to the greatest professional women's soccer league in the world, the most competitive women's soccer league in the world, that being the NWSL, aka the National Women's Soccer League. Mm-hmm. We still have so many people in this country who love and adore our national team, but aren't aware that they might be playing in their backyard. And and until there's another league that takes over the NWSL, we will always have the strongest national team, in my opinion, because we have that match play all year. These girls go back to extremely competitive environments. And you speak about closing the gap. More and more international players are flocking to the NWSL because they are also aware of that. Um, You talk about kind of like the polarizing politics side of this, this has spurred something in other countries where these other national teams are asking for more and a lot of them are getting it. And I think that's also why they're closing the gap. You talk about equal pay that's happening in other countries. Um, I forget what team it is, uh, but there, I think it was actually Brazil. They made more money on Jersey sales than the men have the last couple of world cups. So it's just, it's, it's not men versus women. It's just sports versus sports. And, and I think that, The United States of America is obviously one of the best places to play a sport due to so many factors due to one, women are now getting way more opportunities than, than you may get in other countries. And two, you have so much freedom here. These other players from other countries are free here to do things they might not be able to, to say things they might not be able to, to make the money that they wouldn't be able to in their other countries and it's opening their eyes to what they can ask for. Marta delivered a beautiful post game speech
5: mm-hmm. about
1: how, you know, their country wants renewal on this national team. They want new life. They want they want to win again. You know, they they breathe football over there and soccer over here is just one of our many options. But because of just the country that we live in, we continue to dominate. We continue to excel because of the the abundance of opportunities. So the gap is closing except the United States are Still, I just I wholeheartedly believe we have the best female athletes and the best um, ownership is starting to come out of the woodwork as well, as you see with yeah. uh, the HBO documentary for the L.A. team.
0: Yep. Yep. Angel City. Absolutely. I, and, and and prominent people stepping up and saying, we want to get behind this. And I, I think it's it's it can only be a good thing. Um, Caroline, and it's
1: not charity work. They're right. making money.
0: Right. Correct. Exactly right. They're doing it because they
1: say this is a winner. <laughs> Um, they're doing it because they want to support women's soccer but they're making a lot of money it's not a charity case anymore Eli Manning Eli Manning didn't invest in Gotham you know for his just because he's got a daughter, he did it because he's going to make some post-football money. It's, it's, You know, it's on the rise.
0: No, these are not people that are in the business of giving money away. I mean, again, for outright no. charity, I, I understand. But, like, they're not in the business of, get, of going into business endeavors that are losers. That's not the type of thing that they have interest in at all. Um, I, I guess the question now, look, I know that England's the favorite at this point, but I, I'm very impressed by Japan, uh, for example. Uh, to you, who wins the World Cup now?
1: Japan is so strong. They're so regimented. They play beautiful, beautiful style of soccer. That was one thing that I think the US also missed out on the number of passes that they strung together. Japan just knocks the ball around like it's it's beautiful. And so I think it's gonna be Japan. I'm calling I'm calling Japan in Australia. Okay. I think England is extremely strong, but I'm just hoping that we see Sam Kerr's best in this next game and that she's just going to lead Australia to a victory. But Japan is playing beautiful soccer and it's going to be really competitive to see what happens.
0: They've been so impressive. They've been so, look, and I have to admit, I haven't been able to wake up in the ungodly hours to watch every match. I want (laughs) to be very fair. I did my, and I just so happened to work out that I was up and I was able to watch on Sunday morning. And I'm not going to say that there wasn't a small part of me that said, well, now I don't have to worry about figuring out a way to wake up at these other times because I would have preferred that problem. I want to make that abundantly clear. I would have preferred that problem significantly. Um, Caroline, I, I, you know, hopefully we will be uh, talking again here in a couple weeks and we'll be talking about a wonderful World Cup final and we will be doing that. And then hopefully not long after that, we'll be seeing much more of your face around these parts. That's what we would like a whole lot more. Um, really appreciate you doing this I, I know it was an, it was not a fun way for it to come to an end uh, but I have enjoyed, it's, it's nice to have a World Cup in our lives and uh, something that we care about so deeply always appreciate taking the time for us thanks for hopping on and doing this again this morning
1: thanks so much for having me and we will see you guys very soon at 47 just about back
0: I love the sounds of that Caroline I love it, thank you <laughs>
1: Thank you. Have a good one.
0: Bye-bye. Caroline Means with us here on uh, GCR. As, um, you know, I, I obviously you're disappointed. That's obvious, right? Like, it's, it's disappointing how you measure that against was this really the team that was ever going to win the world cup or were we just putting that label on them because of their past success should we have known this was going to be an in-between team should we have learned from the olympics should we have learned from that this just wasn't this was not that team and then maybe how should it have been handled remember um oh god the, what what year would that have been what which world cup would it have been where they left Landon Donovan at home and everybody was all worked up and it was like a purposefully younger team. So the Landon Donovan World Cup would have been the uh, 2010, right, World Cup? Would have been the one yeah, where he scored yeah, the... So, I guess it, so it had to have been 2014, right? That he was left off. Because 2018 they didn't go. Damn. Um, It's easier to do when you're not talking about someone who's won you two World Cups... And there was still, even still, that decision was harshly yeah. criticized, right? But the idea was, we've got to be, we've got to get younger. The difference is not going to be Len Donovan whether we win a World Cup because we ain't winning a World Cup. So the decision became far more difficult for this group because these are the players. Some of these are players that helped you win the last two World Cups. Uh, the easiest thing for us to say is Megan Rapinoe wasn't up for it. She just didn't have it, and in hindsight, given her age, and maybe there should have been a decision made that like, we love you, but you're not, you're just not one of the best American players at this point. But it's harder to do that to one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. And someone who again led you—I mean, literally led you—the last World Cup title, and was a significant part of the last two World Cup titles. So, what is the line there? I don't know. It's not an easy answer. I am—it's um, a—it's a huge bummer, and that's all I'm going to say about it. It's a huge bummer because this is U.S. women's soccer, and you feel like you have the right to win i mean this is mm.
2: and, and they had a lot of chances that's the they had a lot
0: of chances but they never like it yesterday was the first time that they even felt like they were playing the type of soccer that might be necessary in order to win and that's if you establish that we think sweden is really good um i think that i don't even know that yesterday's effort would have given you the opportunity to beat japan or england or australia mm-hmm. you know, is is it more difficult for an American team to play a World Cup when you're playing matches on the other side of the world? I mean, I don't want to make too much of that, but, like, is it interesting that Japan has played really well and they're not playing on the other side of the world? That Australia is playing really well and clearly they're not playing on the other side of the world. I don't know. I don't know. Um... I don't know. Forrester wanted us to call him today. Yeah.
2: Do you, uh, you want to do that now?
0: I mean, just see, just buzz him, and then tell him that if we do it, we can only do like ten minutes or so. We can't do a, you okay. know, a whole thing. Like if he just wants to share a thought, I don't. Know, I guess he's at the beach. Does he not live here anymore? Like, does he no longer?
2: He's t- he's still out of town.
0: Well, he's he said he was at the beach. I don't oh, know. That, okay. I don't know where he was last week. I don't know anything. He just said I'm at the beach. You want to call me today? And I was like, well, I, I don't know what's going on. That's a Griffin question. I can't handle these things. I'm just, I'm just the, the, the yakety yak guy that makes sure that the kids haven't destroyed any of the furniture yet. Boy, do they want to! Boy, are they trying to figure out a way to destroy the furniture? I, they're okay right now. They're okay. Yes. By the way, today's uh, program is brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox. We are definitely into final days. Less than ten days available for you to go get this one. Go get it. Your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all. Pressboxonline.com. A celebration of the life and legacy of Tony Saragusa, right there on the cover. Great cover story from Dave Ginsberg, the new print issue of Pressbox. All right, we'll get, let him uh, share his thoughts on what happened. He is our friend Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com. Uh, good morning, pal. Do you, did you, like, move or something? Do you not live here any longer? I'm trying.
10: You know, it's funny you say that. I, as I sit here and look out at the beach, I'm, I'm wondering why I don't live here.
0: What beach do you go to when you go to the beach? Down the ocean. Okay, so you go to Ocean City proper.
10: Yeah, we're right near Fenwick. We're okay. a mile from Fenwick. Okay. So we're at the very end. That's where the upscale folks go.
0: Uh, well, you know, not quite as upscale as I. I'm in Bethany, so, hmm, hmm. Ah. somebody, Somebody, and I'm a member of a country club, if you, uh, if you didn't notice. So uh, look at all those things nice. that I have. Look at all those things that I have going for me. All right, we just talked nah, to... We
10: just talked we're to down here enjoying ourselves. Ethan's 16th birthday today. So oh,
0: happy birthday, Ethan.
10: Get a job. Yeah, we're going We're going at it pretty hard. We're going to go play golf here in a little while.
0: You're going to oh, go play golf golf. You're not playing... Uh, I, I I played a lot of golf while I was down at the beach. I played uh, a different type of golf, though, when I was down. No, we're we're going to go play a little uh, Lighthouse Sound today. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were just talking to Caroline Stanley, former NWSL. T- Caroline Means, that is, of course, now. Um... I, 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 give me the actual breakdown of what happened. Is, is the roster construction the problem? Was it the decisions that were made by coaching that was the problem? Was it just simply the players not performing that was the problem?
10: Cool, man, a lot to unpack there. I would say this. Um, y- y- their best players, now this might start a whole other discussion, but their best players are older so right away, you know, that lends, that, that's a problem, right? Like expecting, and I'll use Rapino as an example, expecting her or Rose Lavelle to play 90 minutes of soccer and play it at a high level, that, those days are gone. So, I mean, Lavelle was a, a star at the last time, but, she, but she's, you know, in the November of her career now. Alex Morgan, December of her career Rapinoe, uh, December 25th of her career, like uh, even the goalkeeper. I mean, they're they're just older. And as much as talent-wise, I think as much as they're still better than 80% of the countries, I I thought the Netherlands game really showed where they are at at this point. Because yesterday was a little bit of a fluke, if we're being honest. If they play that exact same yeah, game, they, they outplay five Sweden. times. Oh, sure. they beat Sweden. They beat them every time except yesterday. Right. So I don't even. I kind of don't count what happened yesterday. Soccer just happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like they they dominated them and 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 didn't even particularly play that well in spurts of the game. But when they needed to play well, they did. And yesterday was sort of sort of kind of the way you thought they were going to play. Um. The Netherlands game was more indicative, I think, of what they brought over there. They weren't particularly great against Vietnam. Um, they were lousy against Portugal. Um, but that Netherlands game was the one that this is a com- a country that's getting better. The Netherlands, they're on the uptick, and and we're kind of on the downtick a little. And it showed, you know, where where we are that we these younger players aren't quite ready. Now that said. I don't know what other people talked about Andonovsky's coaching decisions. Like I don't know what more he could have done. He can't make Rapino into a twenty-eight-year-old. Correct. He, he can't. He can't make Rose Lavelle but, into but, a twenty-four-year-old. But did he? Like, have,
0: but, he did, but did he have to put her in yesterday?
10: Um, I, I I think of her the same way I kind of thought of Abby Wambach at the end of her career. The, the ball, and the, and the funny part is, it did find its way to her twice. Mm-hmm. She, she just didn't finish either one of them. Mm-hmm. The ball finds its way to her because she's a smart player and she knows where to go. And um, despite her age and even a little bit of her size, like she still knows where to move off the ball, where to get into position. She reads the game very well. And she got a couple chances yesterday and she didn't finish either one of them. Um, but again, I, I would ask the question of like, who? Who do you want in there with twenty minutes to go? Yeah, you
0: get it. Right.
10: Do you want her, or do you want, or do you want a twenty-one-year-old or twenty-two-year-old who's a senior in college, who's never really experienced that level of international, you know, pressure? Um,
0: well, but is, thought, is that? Hang on. Let me uh, let me go ahead. back because uh, we're we're bringing up the comparison to like leaving Landon Donovan at home. If you like, is, is there an argument like? Was this impossible because you can't do this to players that have won two World Cups, right? Like, they, they just earned the right to play for as long as they can, so you're going to have to deal with the fact that that might mean you're, not, you're just not as good because you have to do this. Or in roster construction, should they have simply said, we're not going to win the World Cup this year, we better take a younger team with us to try to get them as much experience as possible moving towards four years from now?
10: I think that's a very fair question. I, I don't think they were quite at that stage, but I do think that that's one way to position it that to, to have said, Hey, look, let's just call this like it is. We're, we're not going to go there and win the world cup. If we've got Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino and Rose to running around, or we're, we're, if we don't have something better than that in, in the, in the spotlight positions, we're, we're not beating anyone. I don't, I don't think they were at that stage. I think they thought. I, I think secretly or privately, the coach might have thought, like, uh, "This is going to be tough, but we could squeak this out. Right. We we could right. we could navigate our way through what we thought was a really easy group." I mean, that them not winning the group is—if you look at what happened yesterday—yesterday yesterday was collateral damage from not winning the group. Mm-hmm. They would never have faced Sweden yesterday had they just scored a goal against Portugal. And I think that he thought privately, hey, I, I think we can get through this. But, you know, this is not going to be the walk in the park that it was when we had, you know, seven of the best 15 women's soccer players in the world on our team. But I do think that's a fair question. Was, was this was this worth, was this effort worth not ingratiating some other new players into the team and giving them the experience. Cause nothing at the end of the day, we talk about this in all sports, right? Nothing beats experience. Right. Right. No, nothing. I mean, age might be a close second to that, but nothing beats experience. And I, I, I think they were a good, well, I think they were a very good team who didn't, Play particularly well in in those two games where they really needed to play particularly well, and then and then yesterday when they and then yesterday they did play well. They they just they couldn't score. The girl made a couple of really nice saves, and you know what happened in penalty kicks is what happens in penalty kicks. If that girl Sophia Smith scores there, we're we'll not even having this conversation.
0: Correct, obviously. That's you know,
10: the so I mean, it is what it is. But I I, I think that was a fair question though, like. Did, did we did we roll the dice with this team and maybe right. we should have just said, hey, we're going to go over there and probably go and go out of the group stage, but we're going to get some girls some experience that they're going to need in twenty six or well, sorry, twenty
0: seven. And, and again, as I say that, it's way easier to do that with a Landon Donovan who never like you were never going to win a World Cup. Like you never did it. It's way easier well, that, to do that with right. you, than to do it to players that have delivered you back to back World Championships. Like, right, 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 and
10: I and I do and I think that's another point, like another fair way of looking at it from a from a thirty five thousand feet level. Like, right. with a, the U.S. was never winning with Clint Dempsey or Landon Donovan. Right. Even though those two guys are arguably two of the best five American players we've ever produced, when it came to the World Cup, they both scored some goals, and of course,
0: yeah, Landon Diamond scored Donovan scored the greatest goal, goal big, in American big, history. Big, right,
10: big <laughs> goal against Algeria. I think it was Algeria. Um, they they. But you know, we were never winning. These yes. girls, um, women, these particularly these three—Lavelle, Morgan, and Rapino—you, you probably would say that they deserve to go out on whatever terms they decide. Right. And it and it might have it might have been one of the differences between them moving on and not moving on. But there were other factors that were involved in that for sure, and you know, other than the goals that the girls scored and Smith scored against Vietnam, I mean, she was pretty much non-existent. And if you were looking, I hate to do this, but we always do this, right? If you were looking for a goat, it would almost be her because they were really counting on her. And in the beginning, she came through with flying colors and then after that kind of disappeared.
0: Right, I got to let you go after this, but I I asked the same question to Caroline. Was this just a, a bad cycle and you know like this is still the US is the predominant women's soccer program in the world and they'll get a new group of young players and it'll continue that way or was it proof that the world has as caught up and that it is no longer a certainty that that the US women's soccer will be the dominant program in the world
8: well
10: i think it's probably proof it's more proof that the world has caught up because our margin for improvement was minimal. How much, how much better could we get? And, and everyone else's margin for improvement. And I think you could just look at the U S men's team in reverse to understand this point you're saying, like we've made a lot of improvements from the men's standpoint, but we still have light years to go, right? But we've made improvements cause we, we had to make improvements. It's like the opera. It's got to be better than you think it is. We we had to get better, but um, I I still do think they're going to be dominant. I don't know and honestly know enough about what's in their system to know who's coming up and who's not coming up, and I don't frankly watch much college women's college soccer. But I think the history of what they've done has made women's soccer the growth of it. It's it's made it into something that that. I feel like they must have a lot of product on the farm that can come up and be competitive. And then will they ever be as good as the Mia Hams and Julie Fowdy's and um, Gabaras and, and those women and even this group, you know, the Wombacks and the Rapinos and all that? I, I don't know. But I I feel like there's got to be girls on the farm system that are going to come up and be good.
0: I'd like to hope that's the case. And I think that, you know, yes, given the the success of the Pro League and, as, you know, Caroline just mentioned, all of the, the best players do still play here. Like, I think there's every reason to think that's the case.
9: Right, 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 sure.
0: All right. Uh, are you back? Yeah, go ahead,
10: real quick. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I think, you know, there's another discussion for another day about the coach. Um, mm-hmm. I I I was never overly comfortable with him but and i don't even know why that is. So okay. I, I i shouldn't you know, I, I don't know why that is. I just i never got a warm and fuzzy feeling about him. Um but you know, i i don't think coaching is the reason why the team lost. I just don't buy that.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Uh at it's a hooded fire foreign on twitter com. Are you back in town next week?
10: I am back. I am back. I will be I will walk into your studio at 11.14 on Wednesday.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, very good. We'll do that. And you can tell me about how great you think OAR is at that point. We'll have that conversation.
10: Oh, yeah. There. Oh, what a show.
0: Okay. I All right, will. Good. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah. you. Drew Forrester, com. He wanted to, to share his thoughts, and I appreciate that. Uh, you want to squeeze in uh, uh, baseball here? You want to go ahead and do that before we have to take a break? Why don't we uh, we'll go ahead and hit that?
2: Uh, sorry. All
0: sorry. right. Now we'll hit it.
6: This week in the rest
10: of baseball.
0: Grant is here to uh, walk us through everything else going on in the world of baseball, what was a very interesting weekend, obviously. This week in the rest of baseball is brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns later on today. Stand the Fan, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson. They're doing a 4 o'clock version of the program. You can join them live, facebook.com slash you miss it live, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. All right, Grant, what's going on?
3: Well, I don't know if I was watching baseball this weekend or some sort of wrestling match or some sort of fight match because I'm sure everybody knows by now this Saturday we had a massive fight. Against the between Jose Ramirez at the Guardians and Tim Anderson of the White Sox. By the way, does
0: he actually go by Terry Franconia, Franconia, Terry Francona kept calling him Josie. Does he actually go by Josie? I you don't know well, because the
2: the other the uh, what was it? The Guardians, the Cleveland radio call. Yes, Tom Hamilton. Yes. And he kept saying Josie as well. Maybe that's what I was huh. confusing it with. Maybe oh, I, maybe
0: okay. Francona didn't. And I because I heard well, both. They of both did. Maybe that that's is. the first time I've heard of it. So the radio call, if you haven't heard it, is just we don't have that, do we?
2: Uh, I mean, I can probably find it. Can you it. find
0: that really okay. quick? Just search okay. um, Tom Hamilton on Twitter real quick, and it'll it'll come up very quickly because it was very popular over the weekend. So I've, everybody's seen it by now, but Tom Hamilton is the radio play-by-play voice Here of the Guardians.
10: A swing and a smash to first by the diving bond Down the right field line. Kicks into the corner. Ramirez on his way to second. Head first slide. Safe and in the score is Jimenez. And another hustle double. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey. Hosey. And Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson.
0: That's all we need. That's perfect. Hosey is what he called him. Hosey. That Down was the... goes Anderson. Is that a thing? Do people yeah. call him Hosey? I,
3: I, I guess. I've the... never. I've, I've always known him as Jose. have never. Well, of course. Yeah. But
0: I've I've. It was the first time I had heard that, and I had questions about it. Like, are, is that one of those, you know, Haloti Nata things where, like, we thought uh, that Jim yeah. Nance Nangata, was an idiot because yeah. he kept, no, he, no, not no, N'gata. He would say, Nata. Mm. And we're like, what is Jim Nance's Nata. deal? And then we finally found out one day from Haloti, well, actually, Jim asked me, and that's how you're supposed to pronounce my name. It was like when we had, um, uh, oh, God, Salah on the program mm. earlier this year. And, like, some of these guys are just like, I don't care. You know, I'm right, like, right. well, no, I want to. I want whatever you want. I want that to be the case. Yeah. If you know who it was, was uh, our guy, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who I always assumed was Yannick when he was in college. I'm like, Yannick Ngakwe. And then we had him on the show and he was like, well, it's actually unique. And nobody calls him that. Nobody else refers to him by that. Like everybody just goes with Yannick. And then I feel like an idiot every time I say it. Maybe he's really hosy. Maybe that's really what his name is. I know this isn't germane to the point, but I got lost in that this weekend. Go
3: ahead. No, I mean, it was a massive brawl, and we're I assume we're going to see some suspensions incoming here today, tomorrow, in the coming weeks. That uh, There was a total of six ejections that occurred during that brawl. Of course, Ramirez and Anderson were the headlining ejections. Ramirez landed that punch on Anderson. Uh, Emmanuel Classe was tossed. Both managers were ejected, and the Guardians third base coach, Mike Sarbaugh, was also ejected. Uh, but the main thing that came out of this brawl was just Ramirez's comments as to what happened, and uh, there's audio of it too. I think we have um, saying that Tim Anderson's been disrespecting the game for a while. Oh,
0: for God's sakes! Go ahead.
3: We'll what After the transmission.
8: Ah, uh, bueno, well, yo entiendo que él no no está respetando el juego. Vino no desde ayer, sino que viene haciendo eso desde hace tiempo, y se le ha hablado. O sea, yo mismo le he hablado. Le uh, he dicho a él que Eh, que no puede hacer eso, porque que puede lesionar a los muchachos. Aquí todo el mundo anda atrás de un futuro, eh, tiene familia, tú sabes, a quién mantener y todo. Y es algo que, coño, hay que cuidarse, hay que cuidarse. Y, y yo entendía que lo que él hizo no está bien, y también me pegó muy fuerte a mí, se lo corregí. Y es lo que me invitó a pelear, entonces si me invitó a pelear ya tenía que ejecutar. I think he's been disrespecting the game for a while. It's not from yesterday, it's from before. And
1: I've been having the chance to tell him during the game, don't do this stuff, That's disrespectful. don't start tagging people like that. Because in reality, we're here trying to find ways how to provide for our families. And when he does the thing that he does on the basis, he can get somebody out of, the, out of the game. So for me, I was telling him to stop doing that. And then as soon as the play happened, he tagged me again really hard, more than needed. And then he just, he had reactions like he said, I want to fight. And, I, and if he wanted to fight, I just have to de- uh, defend myself.
0: Okay, so let's cover a couple things there, right? Cuz at first when I heard him talking about respecting the game, I wanted to make this wanking motion because if if Jose H- yes, if Jose right. Ramirez is mad about Tim Anderson flipping bats or any of the other things that we've known Tim Anderson to do, then he can get the entire F out of here. And and I, and the, this is the problem. In the moment, everybody is on team Jose Ramirez because bro, you just got decked. You just got knocked out in the baseball game. Like we, yeah, you we fell flat on your back. How do we yes. respect you as a human at this point, right? <laughs> right. Um, but if that's what this was about, was about like him having just lingering issues baseball. with Tim Anderson, having a personality, right. then get the entire F out of here. Like You do not get to police that, and and you should be suspended. But what's weird about it is it definitely does seem like Tim Anderson was the one that sort of egged it on into being a fight in yeah. that circumstance. I don't see what makes this a particularly hard tag. As I've watched the video a couple no, times, I, I think I guess cause he
3: straddles him and, and, then and if he kept if, it on there long after he needed to. Yeah, and if Jose already probably, had that's the everybody does with that. It. Everybody exactly.
0: keeps the tag right. on in case somebody comes off the bag. That's not everyone does that.
3: The play is not over.
0: Well, I mean, I right, can right. obviously Jose Ramirez was not coming off the bag. He did not slide no. significantly past second base. Yeah, but he's... everyone does that. In fact, most people try to like push you off the bag. In order to try to get that tag on you, um, now I thought I read somewhere that there was a story of like another tag that had happened earlier in the game that they had a problem with, with. Braylon Rocchio. Is that what yeah. it was?
3: There was another tag that Ramirez didn't like with um, Tim Anderson. It was on rookie Braylon Rocchio, and
0: I did not see that one.
3: So, like, if somebody's got that, hmm. I,
0: I I'm. I am seeing nothing about this that suggests that at any point
3: Brian Brian Rocky excuse me
0: the, the there was some danger of an injury or something like that. that's way over the top as stated. Now what I did see is it looked like Jose Ramirez's head came up and hit Tim Anderson in the junk. If I'm being honest with you, like the slide, like that's what I thought this was all about. Is you watch the slide again, the slide looks like he pops up and hits Tim Anderson in the junk with his head. And, like, that made me think, is that what Tim Anderson was mad about? Is that why this thing started? Because of that? But if this is about just Jose ideas. Jose Ramirez, yeah. I, I don't know, man. This comes off like I'm not on anybody's side Yeah, here. you can't take anybody's side. Like, y'all might have – you just might be man babies. Like, and that's right. typically the way it ends up working in baseball is we just find out these are petulant children. That, Playing baseball. You know, it's what it is. Now – do I think it's the end of the world? No. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world. It wasn't a cheap shot. Like, these guys both squared up and they decided they were oh, fighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But do they have to get suspended? Yeah, they have to there get they both that. have to get significant suspensions. We'll because, probably
3: learn that today or tomorrow. Yeah,
0: baseball's gotta say we can't we can't just give this the thumbs up. But it's not nearly as bad as a pitcher throwing at somebody's head or like doing this was a fight. Two people got into a fight. We can't say it's okay, because baseball doesn't want that, but it's not the same as a cheap shot, take it. Two people both agreed, we're going to square up, and we're going to have a, a Brook here. And, you know, who doesn't enjoy a good old-fashioned Brook? But I, I don't think I support any of them. They all kind of seem like clowns in this process. Especially
3: in that situation. Yeah. At so, the bottom of the division. Yeah.
0: So what?
2: The, the tag earlier in the game mm-hmm. against Brian Rocchio uh, was he hit a double and Tim Anderson and he was on like with by his fingertips and Tim Anderson kind of like just pushed his hand up with his glove to like try and apply the tag. They called him safe, um, but I guess that was would be the is the thing that Jose remains is that was not, not happy what about. everyone
0: does. Yeah. In baseball, what what's the other player's name? I want to look up this video. Brian, Brian Ro- Ro- yeah, Brian Rocky. How do you spell it?
2: Uh, B-
0: Brian. So it's like B-R-A-Y-N, mm-hmm. n- n- right? I, I mean, R-O-C-C-H-I-O. R-O-C-C-H-I-O. Thank you. Yes. That's what I was looking for. Yes. That's that's more helpful. Saw him
3: in Bowie last year. Um,
0: oh. I think I've got. I think I now have this. So I just want to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, fly ball, right field, must played, picked up, and. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything egregious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, about it,
2: that. It, it sounds like Jose Ramirez probably just had a problem with Tim Anderson for a while, and this gave him a good. He slides in headfirst. Found a reason to do yes, this. Yes, he finds a reason to be like he says. This, what he he said what he wanted to say to Tim Anderson, and Tim Anderson started
0: squaring up, and he was yeah, like, "All right, go. we're doing this." <laughs> Petulant man, babies, man, I got nothing. I got playing n- a kid's game. Like I. I, this is supposed to be just funny and silly and like hey, this is actually a fun part right. of the weekend. But when like you realize what all this is like you just
3: it's just it's frustrating. <sighs> Good weekend for fights, I guess, yeah. Mm. Do we want me to move on to something actually yeah, go worth the discussion? Yeah, go on. Well no, I mean this was worth <laughs> the discussion. That's how I meant to say, but All right, what else you got? There's a new contender in the last wildcard spot for the National League. I keep coming back to this topic, but it's just so fun to watch this NL wildcard race, the Chicago Cubs now mm. hold are tied for the last spot mm. with the Cincinnati Reds, their cross division rivals, and the Marlins have fallen out of that last spot. They're a half a game back. Of course, Cincinnati and Miami square off in a three game set this week, so that is extremely pivotal. Those two, the Cubs have three against. Well, they're three. all
0: they're all scuffling big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Reds, the Marlins. The Reds got the swept. By the, the Reds got swept by the Nationals. Oh, great. That's not good gracious. That's not something that should be happening at no, this point. Not for their for yeah. their quality of baseball. And just when it looked like San Diego was going to get back into this thing, then yeah. they were reminded that they're and the they're not, the Dodgers' yeah. little yeah. brothers. Well, like, well, the
2: big so the big thing was that like the Mets, right? Like since the Mets and Nats I guess are somewhat competing against each other, but if the Mets get a top 6 pick, they get to keep it, right? Right. And if they It's it, not protected, it, yeah, yes, because it, of it, the the luxury tax, right? Yeah.
0: I don't know, man. Um none of these teams are good enough that I'm Although we say that, like, obviously Philadelphia a year ago, none of us would have Mm -hmm. thought was going to be the team at this point that was going to make some sort of run, and here they did. I don't see which of these teams...
3: I can't believe it's come down to these three.
0: Well, I mean, like, for the Cubs, it justifies why they didn't trade Bellinger and Strowman. Like, they they wake up today and they're like, hello. Um, You know, and they're not even... I mean, by the way, they're only still, like, what, a game and a half out of Milwaukee, right, Right. the NL Mm -hmm. Central?
3: I think they're trying to fix pieces and put things together, and they're trying to... Put the guys out there that are going to be productive. I mean, you've already, we've already seen them make some moves. Like, they uh, released Trey Mancini, unfortunately, our old friend. Yeah, I don't see. And then
0: see they also – um I, I, A couple of people brought that up over the weekend. Like, I see no way. Like, what would – like that's Well, the they're, also, well they're also Bring shuffling with – Somebody would have to get hurt for it to make sense for the Orioles right. to try to reunite play with him, Play, oh, him for, yeah. play him for a
2: yeah. series in September, uh, and then when we win the World Series, he gets a ring. So. Well,
3: they should have released so, him for Mo- right before Mo Gabba did. That would have made sense then. One mm-hmm. day we were talking about – No, I know. But then they're also um, giving, say, Suzuki a little rest, reported by the Athletics. Sadahev I have Sharma uh, because he's not performing up to his contract expectations. So younger guys fill in. Suzuki. And just he was such, it. like
0: he got on such such a great start. Oh yeah, that, and and he looked like a star, man. I don't know what happened there.
3: All right, anything else for all the Phillies fans out there? Mm. Maybe some Cubs and Rangers fans if you're around. Uh, uh, Cole Hamels retired this past weekend Announced on Friday He was on a comeback bid With the San Diego Padres But he has ended that And he is going to hang up Someone
0: else who announced a retirement That had definitely been retired Oh no Craig Stamman No 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 no. It was in football It was Uh, former Towson Tiger Jordan Dangerfield uh, Like officially announced He's retired And he had not played Since like 2020 I was oh. like, "This is one of those awkward," and I like, like Jordan. Jordan's my guy. You never know. I mean, the Ravens. You never- no, but like, it's that bit where you're like, w- "Are we announcing a retirement or are we just like acknowledging?" Yes, I've been. It's like at this point, like my kids asked me the other day, "Is Joe Flacco retired?" I'm like, "I,
2: no." I... No, he's not. I, I maybe not on paper.
0: But. Like, did Philip Rivers ever announce a retirement, or did he continue to say like Call me if you want to call me? Like, it's he, a weird.
2: Yeah, I guess he kind of retired. Well, because he went into coaching, and then he right.
0: was like,
3: I can see myself coming back. Well, Matt
0: Ryan's doing that bit where he's like, I'm going to work for CBS, but I'm not <laughs> I'm retired. Not retired.
3: It's such a weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, what a career for Cole Hamels, though. I mean, 15 yeah, years with the pi- with the the Phillies, Rangers, Cubs, Braves. Most I most re- remember him as in his heyday with the Phillies. I mean, he's a four-time All-Star. He won the World Series MVP in two thousand and eight. So when, when he retires, a lot of the Phillies fans are they have a little nostalgia of their last World Series Nostaglia? championship. <laughs> nostalgia. 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 Yeah, I finally got the word right. All thank right. you, thank you, Glenn. Um, but yeah, great career to be remembered, and um, wishing Cole Hamels all the best. He
0: uh, has barely pitched since 2019. Right. Like, I think he made a start in 2020. With against and the then Orioles.
3: If, if he can go I, six innings, I mean. <laughs>
0: attempted a couple of comebacks, and it just, it just wasn't going to panic.
3: I didn't see it happening either, but yeah. I mean, when you have 2,560 strikeouts, a career, with 1.183, you won a World Series. Oh, yeah. You, you did Unbelievable
0: career, no yeah. question. No question. All right, very good. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate it. That's this week and the rest of baseball. we come back in, Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, will check in with us. We'll uh, talk some Orioles and who knows what else. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
7: Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit.
2: It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you're in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports & Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sports. Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulgent steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.
9: all electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to EasyPass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com. will
0: keep you moving.
6: Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Baytoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pregame meet-the-team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation.
9: That first sip.
2: The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsberg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
8: If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you?
0: All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Orioles off tonight, opening up a series against the Astros tomorrow, three games ahead of the Rays. Of course, it's also a quote-unquote game week for the Baltimore Ravens as they get ready for their first preseason game on Saturday night, but um, I don't care. So there is, that's just kind of what it is. That's all you're going to get out of me about that. It's a Monday. That means we catch up with our friend Jeremy Kahn, Big Bag Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm
9: good, man. Birds are playing well. Uh, football's almost here.
0: It's a, it's a fun time to be in Baltimore. Give me, give me this for you. We, were, we, we did this yesterday on the program. Have you, like, on, as a fan, allowed yourself to get to the place where you believe it's possible that the Orioles could win the World Series this year?
9: Um, yes, I do believe it's possible. Like if you were asking me, and in, in taking bias out of it, I still think the Braves and Dodgers are yep. better teams. Yep. Um But again, matching up with anyone, they just have a they have an uncanny knack of keeping themselves in games. So I do think it's going to be fun. I don't want to get way ahead of myself here, but uh, I think the next few years in Baltimore are going to be really, really good. They, for the
0: potentially, right? I, I, but I yeah. feel like these are two different things, right? Because I think we're all like, and it's funny because in the build up to the trade deadline. I feel like we were all kind of talking our way through this, and mostly mm-hmm. I was trying to say the reasonable thing, which is right. But you shouldn't be trading for rentals, or at least giving up, you know, any real pieces for rentals, because it's unreasonable to think that a rental this year is going to be different than when you, you winning the World Series. Then, like last week, I'm talking to John Smoltz, and John Smoltz is like, "No, they're good enough to win the World Series right now." And my reaction is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa that's a little." I read old. those
9: quotes because uh, I didn't obviously didn't get to listen to it, but I know he was on. Um, I think I got preempted for John Smoltz, which I don't yeah, mind. No, but no, no,
0: no offense. He's he's better. He's he's better than you are. He's better looking than you are. It's just like you're like you know. He's sorry. I didn't mean to. It was that personal. I'm Let's sorry. Let's hear what his
9: lock of the week is. Screw that guy. <laughs> so, um no. In all seriousness, he's one of the most respected baseball people out there. I think. Period. And when you hear him say something like that, it does kind of give you pause. And the thing I was thinking about, and Glenn, I don't know your fandom and what's meant the most to you through your your lifetime, but the Orioles, when they won the World Series, I was four. Right. I can point at three separate times where my teams won.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, obviously, Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl and his second Super Bowl stand out to me. Like those, those two things were teams I was rooting for, and he won. And then the other one is the Mavericks in 2010. Um, I did root for the Ravens in 2000. I rooted for them in 2012. I know it's great for the city. And I think I'm starting to come on board now where I like them more than the other teams that I would pull for them. Um, but I still don't get caught up in the whole fandom of it. It's weird. The, the only team that I'm a true, true fan of, like diehard, is the Orioles, and I've never seen them win.
0: Well, and like I would say to me the only thing that compare, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of what the Ravens winning mean, but, like, I didn't grow well, up with it, right? Like, they, they didn't show up until I was 13 years old. And that doesn't mean that they I, they haven't been a very important part of my life. But, unfortunately, kind of very quickly after that, I started getting into this business. I didn't have nearly as much time where I was just able to be – blindly in love and not have to work whereas you know Maryland basketball was that way for me as a kid right as a kid Maryland basketball meant everything so when Maryland basketball won a title it was extraordinarily emotional for me and this I can't compare I wouldn't be capable of being impartial in any way yeah. this yeah. this is I, that, I I think
9: that's the part I'm getting to it's yeah. like i have never experienced well I have experienced that but the same thing you're talking about with the Terps like when the Turps and Ravens won. I was pulling for those teams, but there's a different kind of fandom when you're losing your mind on every single play. Right. And that's pro- like as calm as I am during a baseball season, in the playoffs, I'm a maniac where I'm right. screaming at the TV left and right, probably like a lot of these people are during the regular season.
0: I, I, it would be the most meaningful thing as a sports fan that I would experience. I mean, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a close, but I, I, it's important because I also feel like as fans, we're inclined, and Reed and I were talking about this, we're inclined to try to protect ourselves. It's sort of we do this, like, with relationships when you're younger, and you're like, yeah, you're cool, but I'm not really sure, so like, you know, maybe we don't say we're in a relationship. Maybe we're just casual about this, right? Like, are you
9: kind of doing the something about Mary vibe when he was asking all the girls to? to
0: yeah, kind of and like that, right? And like, you know, yeah. it's it's maybe, right? Um, it's a maybe, it's maybe if
9: everything else falls through.
0: So I feel like I like in a way I, all season long I've said, look, I'm not. A year ago, I remember you and I having this conversation, and I said, I'm not going to be the playoff or bus guy. To me, a year ago, it was. Get me a meaningful baseball game on Labor Day, and this will be wildly successful to me, right? Like, if I get to taste a September baseball game that matters and there's life and electricity again, that will be overwhelmingly more than I could have ever asked for, and I'll take that. Clearly, this year, it is, like anything besides the playoffs, it would be a wild disappointment. And at this point, it almost is impossible But I still think that we were guarding against and saying, hey, like let's not get too carried away. It's still not reasonable to look at this team as a world series contender. That's just not how they were built. That's just not where they are in this process. And to your point, there's plenty of years ahead where it looks like something could be even more significant, but I don't know. At some point I look up and they've won 70 games here on August 7th. And you know, they're the best team in the American league. And, They haven't blinked when they lost Cedric Mullins twice, and they haven't blinked when their best pitchers have hit the wall and needed to be reset, and they've gone through – like, I don't know how to explain it. At some point, I feel like we have to look up and say, we, we can't just say this is fun or this is neat. At some point, this is the team that they are, and is it okay to say they genuinely have a chance to win a World Series this year?
9: Yeah. And and the point I brought up about the the trade deadline, and and I do think that they are very capable of winning, winning it all. You know, I'm not, I'm not pulling any punches with it, um, but people were losing their mind at the trade deadline because they didn't make these gigantic splashes. And some of the trades we thought we might have fell through, but they ran into the problem with everybody asking for all of your top prospects and the trade values weren't fair. But at some point the Orioles will have to have some sort of package in the off season. Maybe it's at the trade deadline next year. To move some pieces for an absolute stud that you can slide right in your lineup or right in your rotation or even in the bullpen if it, if it may be something like that.
0: And I, and we feel that I wrote about the pitching tax last week, right? Like this is what happened. Yeah. Everything they've done, uh, it's ironic. I noticed over the weekend that Mike Elias started following us on Twitter. I don't know who's running Mike Elias's account, right? But like he's I am. I, are, oh, it's you. It oh, makes way more sense then. Oh, is that why? Yeah. I, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke because That's probably, right, those photos. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know if it would go over well. Um, but like. I, I I think that for the most part, he's done everything right. And his strategy of let's draft bats, like there is far less doubt when you draft a bat. There's far fewer things that can go wrong. So we'll draft bats. It has worked out swimmingly, of course. Like they have nothing but rock star stud players to show for it. And, you know, this is the reason why they're in the position they're in. But on the flip side, there's, of course, a price to be paid, which is you don't, have the same amount of arms. And because of that, you were always going to have to pay a tax. For as much as we say it wasn't an overwhelming price, they had to pay for for Jack Flaherty. And look, if Jack Flaherty pitches like he did in his first start, it might look like one of the great trades the Orioles have ever made. But they were acquiring someone who's been a mid-to-bad pitcher this season for the price of, like, three viable prospects. That's a tax. Like, that Mm -hmm. is... The pitching tax, when you don't draft and go that route, you're going to have to pay a tax. And I agree with you. If if they don't win the World Series this year, they're going to still need, as, mu- as much as we like what we've seen from Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez, and as much optimism as we might have about a healthy John Means next season, the biggest thing we're going to point to is the difference between being a good baseball team and being a team that can win a championship will be that high-level starting pitching. And whether it's in free agency overpaying or via trade over they're going to have to continue to pay a tax to make up that difference when it comes to the top-notch pitching
9: yeah there's no question i mean i found the trade deadline really interesting because no major bats really got traded right Right.
0: there wasn't there
9: weren't the big bats that were getting moved from here or there like we thought there could be like juan soto or some of the other ones um there was a lot of middling pitching wouldn't you say because like i even think justin verlander and scherzer are, are kind of I know the names are there and I expect a little bit more out of Verlander at this point, but I've seen, I think Scherzer is what he is right now. Um, A guy that's going to get you some strikeouts and he's going to give up some hits and some walks. But like when you start looking at those frontline pitchers or the middle pitchers, I call them that that got moved. Like I'm waiting for the Orioles to make that Pablo Lopez type trade or I'm trying to think which uh, other one would make more sense. Um, you know, just going all in for for the guy that you want to, right. that's going to change the front end of the rotation.
0: Uh, you know, I think a lot of people brought up like Logan Gilbert from Seattle yeah. as that type. I clearly Dylan Cease was the head of that conversation, but I'm with you. That being yeah, said, and I think we have Dylan Cease and Grayson Rodriguez. Not to say that I wouldn't mind having two of them, but right. what you would
9: have to give it up for Dylan Cease would have been
0: oh yeah, incredible, Over- overwhelming. Yeah. But at some point, that might like again. My point being, if you're if you're not willing to pay the money in free agency to get that guy, right? Like if you're not pa- mm-hmm. willing to pay the exorbitant amount of money it would cost to get a Lucas Giolito or oh God, who are we talking about last week, Griffin, that we were all enamored with the idea that's gonna be a free or oh, If you're not willing to pay for an Areas and like God, what in the world would a Julio Areas cost this year in, in uh free agency? If you're not willing oh, to yeah. do that, then you might have to make that type of trade to get that guy. And I'm I'm not saying that it was the thing to do right now. And it sure as hell wasn't the thing to do for a rental pitcher right now. But at some point it's it's it just might require that you still have the same problems. Like you're still looking and saying, Connor Norby's still here. Where's he going to play? Like yeah. there's no reason for Connor Norby to be in the minor leagues right now. But there's no, you know, he's killed it there. Yeah, there's no reason for him to be up here on this team either. So you still have the same problem at some point where you're holding on. These aren't helping you solve problems. Holding on to Connor Norby isn't helping you solve problems. Joey Ortiz being at AAA is not helping you solve a problem right now. So you could have tried to use them to solve the problem, couldn't find a deal to make it happen, and if it was because you were balking at the price that you had to pay, at some point, you just might not have a choice but to pay that price.
4: Yeah.
9: And, you know, like, I, I think that it's a good problem to have, to have, a, like, a plethora of bats that you like and that you feel could play at this level. But at some point, it, it does have to come to a head. But, like, when we were talking about the guys we were really interested in, like, Dylan Cease and a handful of these other guys, like, some of the rumors I was reading, teams were asking for Jackson Holiday, which I'm just not. I'm not moving him for one of those guys. I, I don't care what the oh, possibilities yeah. there's, there's are. There's no chance
0: in hell you're doing that. Yeah, no,
9: I no, mean, no. especially what you're seeing him. do. Well, look at what he's doing at Double A right oh, now. Nuts. I mean, he had it's... four more hits the other day, back to back home runs.
0: It's incredible. It's badass. It's completely bonkers. There's no doubt about it. Um, where are you? Are like, are you as confused as everybody else is about why they are hell bent on sticking it out with Mateo or? do you buy into the idea that like they desperately want him on the postseason roster so he can be that terrence gore type from the royals all those years ago and so it's worth whatever you deal with i get it he ended up you know sort of lucking his way into a triple yesterday and that was an important run but like that is Mm -hmm. how do you how do you make sense of how hell-bent they appeared to be to keep him on this baseball team
9: yeah, like I kept bringing up the Terrence Gore stuff because that makes a lot of sense to me is keeping him on the roster because that is valuable. You can say it any way you want. It's valuable to have that guy just the same way it is um, a value to have a pinch hitter that can come in against righties or lefties if it was a switch hitter or somebody that you could use in a key spot. But, um, you know, but I, I think getting guys on base and being able to steal a base with the way that the rules are now, yeah, to me that's the only reason he's still on this roster. Has to be because he's not – like. I mean, I know the triple yesterday. Like his threat of stealing bases, and uh, everybody would talk up his defense, which I still think is just okay. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that unless that is the case that they want him for his speed in the postseason.
0: I and I, I guess the way that I've said it a couple times is like there are other fast humans that are alive, right? <laughs> like this is the part that I struggle with. You're kind of, you know, playing twenty five on twenty six right now. Out of that, and I get it. Once you get to September, you get to keep a 28-man roster, so like you know, you can argue that you have that. So you're really only trying to get by for another couple of weeks in order to get to that point. But like you're you're playing 25 on 26 when like you could you could find another fast human. Like other fast humans are alive. Um, But if
9: and if they wanted to do that, couldn't he go like park near where Ubaldo parked?
0: Right, correct. Into that yes, at hat? this point, you could absolutely you're close enough it feels like to that September date that you could try to pull something like that off in order to make this work. I I, I it's not that I don't see a value in it, but like how long are you going to continue to play this game with someone that can't help you as a baseball player? Like are, is the plan to keep going next year? Like like are you always going to say it's so important to have this guy on a playoff roster that if they're not helpful as that you're always going to give away a roster spot to someone that does nothing other than run? I, I just – yeah I, I don't feel like I, – I get it. The Royals won a World Series, and they love the bunt, and they love to have guys, but at least I, – I don't know. I, I think that the, the margin for error for this team is not one that can overcome continuing to have to put – and there's the cost of, like, shouldn't you be seeing Ho- Joey Ortiz at this point? Like, shouldn't you be yeah. getting an answer on that guy as a baseball player, particularly now that you're past the trade deadline?
9: Well, the scary thing is, is that you're doing all this with, I mean, on in essence, three rookies starting almost every single game. You know, and if Joey Ortiz is out there, then you probably have a fourth, um, you know, going along with Gunner and uh, what we're seeing from Westberg and Cowser. And I mean, it just goes on and on. There's just so much young talent. But um, I guess we'll find out when the postseason starts if they're going to use Mateo that way or not, because that's the only thing. That I really mean, makes it, sense my God, to me. if,
0: if they don't, holy hell. Yeah.
9: <laughs> If they keep him all the way to September and then he doesn't make the postseason roster, I'm going to go, what oh the my God, hell just
0: happened? God, no doubt. What in the <laughs> world is going on if that's the case? I refuse to believe it. Um, all right. Jeremy Kahn is with us, 105.7 The Fan. Of course, picks every day at uh, PressBoxOnline.com. Are you uh, Are you coming up on Saturday, by the way?
9: Oh, it is this Saturday. This um this Saturday. I got I all my dates mixed up. I, I'm going to try to make... I was supposed to play in a charity softball tournament that day, but <sighs> like my back is shot and I can't. So, oh. well, you still, uh, I do believe there will be an is, appearance. Is, is your then. back too yeah.
0: shot to be able to go down uh, a slip and slide? I'll fall down that hill a couple Hell times. Hell yes. That's what I'm talking I, about.
9: I just can't swing a bat, and I know how I felt after last year. So... <laughs>
0: I oh, could move for like a week. Oh, dude, it's over. Like, it's over. Like, you can't deny your age at this point. Like, there's it, just no, there is no getting around it whatsoever. Um, Is there something, for, so I, of course, as you know, I only drink a couple times a year now. Um, mm-hmm. And they always involve you, and they always involve me waking up in the morning and needing some ice to put on my lower regions. Um, what, What is there? Is have you discovered any sort of new disgusting booze, you and your buddies?
9: Well, no. I, so, uh, truth be told, I don't drink much either anymore at, right after I built a bar in my house, <laughs> which is great. Perfect um, timing. Nailed I'm not it. opposed to drinking. I just, I'm alone by myself, and I don't like drinking alone um, quite a bit. So, so, I'll have to find something that's good. I, you know, I brought plenty of stuff into the studio for our oh. drinking ventures, but oh. um, by the way, can I'll I, have to find something new.
0: Can I tell you something funny that comes up? So, the other day, the boys were in the car. My, my sons, by the way, are here at the studio with me today. The boys were in the car the other day, and they asked why, like they asked mom, "Hey, we never really see you guys when you're sick. Like you see us when we're sick. Why do we never see you when you're sick?" And I don't know. It was, it was a whole conversation that we were having about how like parents try to, pr- you know, protect and like no, we're no one. Parents never are really allowed to be sick. You got to be a parent anyway. And then I swear to God, my 6 year old's like, "Well, we've seen Dad sick," <laughs> and I said, "You have." They turned around. They said, "Yeah, remember because of all those jelly beans when you were at work last oh. year." <laughs> and I said, "All those nasty right, jelly beans." Right, the eat. jelly beans. Exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly the reason they have maintained to this day that the reason why I was why I was puking at the cheesecake factory that night, which is straight yeah, shoot nice. a legitimate thing that occurred. <laughs> I it was because of all of the jelly beans. That I consumed that day. So, yeah, you might want to take it easy on the jelly beans this year. Yeah, right. I might really want to ease up on the jelly beans. It's just going to be a difficult. <laughs> um, let, me, let me put this to you, right? It was a question that came up to me this weekend, and my immediate response was no. And then I listened to the argument that was made. And I, so of course, they inducted a new class into the Pro Football Hall of Fame over the weekend, right? Mm hmm. I was looking at next year's first-year eligibles for the Hall of Fame, and there's a couple to me that are obvious and, like, really should be first. You never know with the Pro Football Hall of Fame because it's weird, but, like, Julius Peppers Antonio Gates. In in what world are they not immediately Hall of Famers, right? Like Should be, I they, think so, yeah. You know, I know football's weird, and maybe one of them has to wait, and hell, they've made all these wide receivers wait for forever, and somehow Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne aren't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is just effing bizarre, but, like, you know, I think those guys to me are immediate Hall of Famers. There's another first-year eligible that, like, when when some, when it was brought up to me, my immediate answer was, "No, that guy's not a Hall of Famer. He's a hell of a player." But I'll I'll bring it up to you because I went back and looked at the list. There are not a lot of five-time All Pros that aren't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Is there any argument at all? And it wouldn't happen next year, and I don't know when it would be. Is there any argument at all for Haloti Nada as a football Hall of Famer?
9: Oh man. Um that's interesting cuz like he plays such he plays a position where it's really hard to it's get It's not statistics. defined by stats, right. Yeah, you got to you got to look at Yeah, I think he could. Um I don't not this year, not I mean I am assuming he's a guy that has to wait a little oh, bit. Oh, there's
0: but. no chance. Zero chance of him being in this year. And I think that it would be like I as I keep looking at the guys that didn't if Patrick Willis hasn't been able to break through He's sure not more deserving to me than Patrick well, Willis But he had a is. shortened career, too, I under, But, Patrick like, Willis. sort of Calvin Johnson, right? Like, I feel like we've addressed the short – if you were that – Patrick Willis, to me, was breathtaking in a short career. Well,
9: I'll, I'll tell you this much from working with Scott and knowing a lot about the Pro Football Hall of Fame and how they vote on it. Like, Calvin Johnson, there was a lot of discussion of whether or not he should get in first ballot because he was – he had a shorter career. I don't think there was a question whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. I think there was a question whether or not he should have been in first ballot, but obviously gets in – Um Man, that's, a, that's such a good question because me, I, me, I do think, you, well, I do the, think
0: of them that. This is a list of guys that are five-time All-Pro selections. Richard Seymour, Brian Urlacher, Willie Davis, Len Ford, Gail Sayers, Larry Wilson. Joe Montana was only a five-time All-Pro, which is kind of nuts to me. Mike Ditka, Rondé Barber, who just got in, Derek Thomas, some guy named O.J. Simpson. All five-time All-Pros. Ooh a five. now again, only two of them were first team, and I do think that matters when you have this conversation. But a five-time All-Pro I, I, is a stronger argument to me than I realized it. For, like, there was a point in Haloti career where I think we would have said, if he stays on this trajectory for another six to seven years, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, right? But mm-hmm. he, he didn't really stay on that trajectory. There was the suspension, and then he ended up in Detroit, and you know it was, he didn't fully stay on that trajectory, and yet I still think there's an argument and maybe he's a guy that's got to wait. And it's like Joe Klecko getting in this year and you had to wait for forever and had to go to a committee or something like that in order to get there. But I, I feel like I was too dismissive of it when it was presented to me.
9: Yeah. When you said it, I didn't even think about, um, I mean, I thought he was one of the best players in his position for a really long time. So why wouldn't I?
0: Right. How would there not be? Why a, wouldn't
9: I think? He, yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. And I think it has to do with that. He doesn't accumulate a lot of statistics. Correct. And, you know, when you look at all, like I have a hard time with offensive linemen, except for the big left tackles and some of the guards that have been, you know, Donald, perennial Pro right. Bowlers and All Pros. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other guys, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Was, but, I mean, he played for a long time. He was pretty good. The
0: strongest argument that someone would make for Haloti nada is look at Ray Lewis's career before, you know, Haloti nada and yeah. then look at Ray Lewis's career in the years that immediately followed Haloti nada Right. Like, well,
9: I, I I'll tell you what. If he doesn't get in, I know whose fault it is. Scott's, Scott, Garcella. yeah,
0: right. We're on him. We're gonna get on that that jerk for not getting him into the Hall of Fame. What's wrong
9: with? Because he's gotten everybody else in on the first. That's ballot. true on
0: the first ballot, and and when he's Ray got Willis, when, John Ogden, Reed, when when yeah, Suggs comes Palmer. up, presumably he'll get him on the first ballot, right? Like, yeah, the hell is going on here if he fails to get Haloti <laughs> into the. Maybe he needs to purposely make sure Haloti doesn't make the final fifteen this year, so he doesn't ruin his perfect score. And then he can wait a couple of years and sure. then go about trying to put it together. Maybe that's going to like happen.
9: for example, like it was one of the arguments we had this morning where Rob didn't think Zach Thomas was a Hall of Famer, and I disagreed with him. But like Zach Thomas, five All Pros as well, right? And you know he gets in. He didn't get in first ballot or anything. But like if you asked me who I thought was a better football player, Zach Thomas or Hurley Nada, I'd say Nada. Although I also think Zach Thomas. I think Zach Thomas yeah, is, is a
0: hell of yeah. uh, uh, Zach Thomas was a he was actually a seven team. Seven time all pro because he was a two time second teamer as well. Okay. Maybe I didn't um, a five time all team. Yeah. Or, so, uh, for, uh, for, so he was a seven time all pro. I think Zach Thomas is a Hall of Famer, but like to, to the point, you know, I don't, I, I, but again, it's so tough because we don't have stats, right? Like all we goal. have to go by and it, like Pro Bowl voting is so impossible to position like a defensive tackle, right? Like who knows? Well, how do you, the,
9: you compare him with someone else? How do you compare him with a coach that's up? How do you compare him with uh, a quarterback that's, you know, it's just, it's not It's not really fair to try right. to compare and, these
0: guys. And, again, that's why he'd be far, like, if you look, if I was given the list of everybody, all the holdovers from last year, plus the, you know, adding in the two that are, to me, sure-fire first-year eligibles, like, after those first two, it's a it's a weak list. It's like, so there's Peppers, there's um, uh, Antonio Gates, and then there's, like, Andrew Luck, who, again, was a hell of a player, but, you know, and if he kept playing for another five to six years, he kept maybe. playing, shoe-in, right, I think. But 100%. It, yeah. But having not, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I I, yeah. I think he's a guy that could have been a Hall of Famer, and he's the one who's, like, he was really good, but to me he wasn't as good as Patrick Willis, or as Patrick Willis was. Like, he was really good and could have had the Philip Rivers career if he would have just grinded it out a few more years. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, then it's, like, Eric Berry and guys like that. Sebastian Janikowski is eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, guys that you say... Seabass said that?
1: Seabass yeah,
0: said that? Kick his ass, Seabass, right? <laughs> like, um... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think he would probably be like 13th on my list next year. If I ranked everybody that was eligible, I'd say, you know, those two guys, Peppers and Gates, and I put all those wide receivers that are still waiting to get in insanely would be higher up, and Willis would be higher up. Jared Allen would be higher on the list. There'd be a bunch of guys. But I think Haloti Nata would be at least long enough in the argument to keep the conversation going at that point. Yeah, I'd mean. agree
9: with that, too. Like, look, a really, really I mean, he was. He was a great player uh, for a long period of time, so... Uh, again, just no stats really to throw right. by his name to support an argument outside of look at
0: these all pros. Right, that's it. That's all you got, no doubt. All right, buddy, what's coming up this week? Uh, it's going to be I think. Oh, we're oh, all oh hang on, week. hang on, hang on. Before you say yeah. that, how many times have you watched the video from Montgomery over the weekend?
9: Uh, I've watched it two or three times. Like every time, I, to be honest, I don't love videos like that because <sighs> again, we don't know. Yeah, Like, there's a lot of people that got their ass kicked that probably didn't deserve to get maybe, their ass kicked. Maybe didn't,
0: maybe didn't, but I don't know, man. There was, Dude, that guy swimming across the water is my...
9: My favorite part, by it's, far. It I was is, so exhausted, I couldn't have fought anybody. Oh my <laughs> God,
0: it's my favorite thing ever. And the fact that the internet is calling him Michael B. Phelps is just... <laughs>
5: <laughs> i oh, haven't heard that yet manna yeah. from heaven it's michael b phelps
0: michael b phelps is the greatest internet nickname in the history of the internet it has I, given me such joy
9: i'll give you my my one thing and why it's hard to watch i just i hate watching women fight i i hate it with a passion okay and i know i and like even women boxing i don't i don't enjoy watching it. i know there's some good fights just i don't know why that is inherently in me i just hate seeing it so I watching some of the watching the people that come out and look, they were they were they may have been trying to help, like hey, let me separate this, and then someone gets smacked on oh. the side of the head, oh. and then they turn and now they're fighting. So
0: I could uh, I could watch it. All. It was it's my favorite video ever. It's so <laughs> it's so good. All I'm right. actually
9: rewatching MacGruber and right now oh, yeah. on my television. Vicky Saint Elmo is saying that uh, he took both of her virginities and he would generously <laughs> finish for the both of us. Yeah. So it's that, very lovely, very
10: good.
0: All so, right, sorry, you were saying what's coming up on the show.
9: Uh, no, it's just going to be a, a lot of the same stuff. We're, we're all going to the game uh, on Thursday against the Astros, nice. so it should be fun. And this is a cool week when you get arguably the two best teams in the American League, yep. or record-wise, they say they
0: are, seeing these two teams play. So looking forward to it. Yeah, that. sets up another really barometer series, right? Like what we were just talking mm-hmm. about at the start. If you really are a World Series contender, you, you don't get swept by the Astros this week. You know? Like yeah. that's the you, you, you know, whatever well, else Well, they happens. haven't been swept in forever. So Correct. Knock on wood. No doubt about it. All right, buddy. Love you. At JamieCon 105.7 on Twitter. Of course, uh, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Picks at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, see you Saturday. Love you, buddy. Uh, see you, man. Love you. Jeremy Con with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. All right, my kids disappeared. I'm nervous about that. I don't know where they went. I don't know what they went to do. I'm very nervous about it. I'll just get to the bottom of that during this break, and then we'll come back in, and we'll get a tidbit and two to wrap it up for a Monday edition of GCR hike to new heights the best view is yours in washington county our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-atlantic some are very easy walks some can be driven to and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike all are near quaint small towns that offer great dining shopping hiking gear and more explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay Unforgettable Learn more at VisitHagerstown.com Maryland Be open
7: Soak up summertime Fun in Charm City Enjoy only in Baltimore Festivals Mouthwatering eats And endless entertainment Cheer on the O's At Camden Yards Pick crabs by the waterfront Beat the heat inside A world class museum And make memories That will last a lifetime Go to Baltimore.org For more
0: information And to plan your visit You feel that? That's the sound of football Coming back And now's the time To place your season bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use my promo code glennclark 23 to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code glennclark 23 All one word, no spaces, two N's and Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and that promo code glennclark 23 Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call one eight hundred
7: I'm Michael Jan Grandi, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com.
1: Maryland drivers. Did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving.
7: It's a Maryland thing you Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes.
8: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Actually, the kids are just fine. They're sitting in there still watching whatever thing they're watching.
0: The TV is doing the, the, the child rearing today. The old uh, yes. technology is yes. handling that for me. I think in the afternoon we're going to watch SummerSlam together right here oh, in sweet. the studio. That's uh, going. Oh, you're so you, wanna watch, uh, Paul, yes, you want to watch Logan Paul? Yes, I do want to watch
2: Logan Paul. He had a group, He had a good <sighs> weekend. <for> God sakes! <laughs> God sakes! <sighs> so, did you have a question to ask me when you came back into the studio? You were talking to them about something, and I thought you were going to ask me the same question. What's um, that? Yeah, well, you're you're getting lunch, right? That's oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to wander over, by all means, I'll let you. Uh, you can you can pick up. Do you want a kids meal too? Do you want? Uh, I mean, do you, you want I, d- nah, I think they nah, got. I think work. it was a grilled cheese and uh, some chicken fingers and some chocolate milk. Do you want some? That's a pretty good lunch, Chicken yeah. fingers and <laughs> chocolate milk too. You look like a. You look like a fellow that would eat chicken fingers and he chocolate wants, no, milk. No, I think he wants lemonade. Um, they didn't uh, offer. It was work. just water or chocolate milk were the only options oh, okay. for that. That's um, fine. I'll, I'll make it. work. You'll, you'll make it work. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Um, Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
2: We talked about it enough, but the U.S. women's national team first time eliminated from the World Cup before the semifinals. It also, they also ended the tournament on a 238-minute scoring drought, which is their longest in women's World Cup history. Not,
0: not yeah, ideal. Not a,
2: banner, not a banner year. for
0: Everybody, it's always, we have to remind everybody, you don't technically have to score a goal in order to win the World Cup. <laughs> you don't ever have to win a single match or score a goal in order to win the World Cup. It's just real. Really, really difficult to do. Go ahead.
2: Um, James McCann, unreal night on Friday. Uh, in fact, he yep. did something that only has been done three times by a player. Uh, he became the third player to have five RBIs, reach base safely in every plate appearance in their first game against their former
0: team. Ah, I, of course, remember exactly who the other ones 2005. were. Was Carlos Baerga.
2: No, it was Vladimir Guerrero. Okay. Vladimir Guerrero, against a senior. The, against the, the Expos? Against the Nationals since it was oh, 2005, yeah, moved, but yes, yeah, yeah. so it was technically the... But he
0: never United played for the Nationals.
2: No. No. He went from Montreal yeah.
0: right to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and then uh, in 1978, this player did it against the uh, against, Angels. Against
0: the Angels would have been... It's a tough one. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Bobby
2: Bonds. Oh, Bobby Bonds. Bobby I don't, Bonds. I didn't know the Bobby Bonds was yeah, an Angels. 1978 so. had five RBIs, reached base safely. By the, the way, teams. I went to the game
0: on Saturday night with Patrick Stevens, who was trying to list over all of like the cheat codes for me for, um, oh, for- Immaculate Grid. He was, it like like, Cameron or, he was like, this player played for every team in the NL East, and this player played for And I'm like, my head was why just aren't you spinning. And you wrote it down. Yeah, right. I said, no, I did not do that.
2: <laughs> uh, he also became the first catcher ever in MLB history to go 3-for-3 three three or better. He went better than 3-for-3 three three, uh, with a walk, a stolen base, five RBIs, and five RBIs in a game. Oh. And that. so James McCann, the only
0: greatest MLB catcher. I would say the best catcher in yeah, the Orioles st- history. Stole
2: Maybe. Third,
3: yeah. yes. he, stole yeah, he stole third, too. Yes. He
2: stole third. They're not. Um, Bobby Witt had a good weekend. He
0: that play he, is, he made, uh, uh, where he like flipped the ball over. With, I don't know if you saw that. Did I? Uh, I don't it know was. I it was a. It was a fairly routine. Like, I, hang on a second. Hang on, let me let me.
2: Well, while you find it, Bobby Witt yeah. uh, hit his twentieth home run. I believe that was Friday night, um, and now he became he became the first player ever to hit twenty home runs and steal thirty bases in his first two career seasons. Twenty home runs, thirty steals. Remember, it was
0: starting to look like that was a bit of a bust for a minute. Yes, and then well,
2: I mean, he, he's, he, the winds still aren't really following.
0: Yeah, but that's that's not on him. Like they did
2: actually, they had a really good week last what's, week.
0: What's he but, hitting this season? Um, uh, it's not like two sixty eight. Okay. Okay. But it's starting to look yeah, more yeah. and more like there was legitimate warranted debate about like who should have been the number one pick that year. Not to take anything away from Adley Rudgman. I was still very happy with Adley Rudgman, but like for a minute it looked like it was Adley Rudgman here and Bobby Witt here. And now it's more like, you know, there's real argument between the two.
2: Yes, Bobby Witt. Uh, David Schneider also made his debut, his major league debut for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes. And had an unbelievable weekend. Uh, I believe his OPS is, what, like 1.8 or something through the first three games. And he had nine hits. I hear
0: that would be some sort of record if yes. it were to stay up.
2: Yes, nine, hi- <laughs> <laughs> nine hits uh, on the weekend, which is tied with with uh, Coker Triplets, of oh, course. Oh, Coker Triplets. 1938 uh, for the most in a player's first three career games. <sighs> Char- Charlie
0: Sheen had a few coker triplets in his day.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Felix Baltista uh, had a 101.9 mile per hour strikeout, and Shintaro Fujinami had a 102.6 mile per hour strikeout in the eighth. Sarah Langs points out this is the first time since in the pitch tracking era 2008 uh, that the that the Orioles have had multiple had multiple 101-plus strikeouts from different so, pitchers in the so same I to,
0: game. I have to apologize. Bobby Witt did not play yesterday, so he did not make the play that I was talking about.
2: Oh, okay. it Was uh, was it Michael Garcia or like... No,
0: it was Massey. Oh, uh,
2: Nick Massey. Nick Massey. Michael Massey, sorry. No, Michael Massey. Michael oh. Massey.
0: Uh, it was a hard-hit ground ball up the middle, and he was going to have no chance of getting up and turning and firing to second base, but in one motion, he lays out, dives, and just flips the ball up to Garcia. And Garcia... Alertly, like, despite the fact that. Oh. Alertly is right there ready and fires it over to first base. It looks like a double play, except. Oh, my God. It was remarkable. <laughs> it was a remarkable play, man.
2: It was outstanding. Did you see the play that the Red Sox. uh or. Oh, the. Or that was Friday. Or that was Saturday night. The fly out to center and. Uh, Tristan Casas, or no, 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 it was Reese McGuire. I think that was just run. He was on second base. Yeah, that was running. bad. Yeah, that was bad because they all thought it was out or something. Oh, the third run. base coach, and and the to... third base coach was waving everybody around. What about uh, what Whoa. about your boy
0: uh, Giancarlo Stanton? <laughs> how about that
2: guy? That's, I mean, uh, that's rough. I mean, well, I guess no one really knows what the like. Are they telling him not to run or but how can? Why you, are you sending? How
0: can you play a guy how, if he's not allowed to run?
2: Uh, is it uh is it Jimenez that also can't run at all?
3: Uh, he, he he got hurt during the brawl. Did you see that? Yes, and uh, he was in order. the lineup yesterday. though, so he oh. must be fine. Okay,
2: well, I mean, he hasn't been 100. percent I think all year is the thing. It's like just this is injury uh, prone. Yeah. Um. Anyway, multiple strike, multiple pitchers with a hundred one plus strikeout. First time Orioles have done this. It is also only the one, two, three, four, five, six. It's the eighth time it's ever been done with multiple pitchers in the same game from the same team. Um. I mean, these are all notable guys. I feel like uh, it's been it's the third time it's happened this season. So can you try to name the other two occurrences? So four pitchers total, a hundred two separate, a hundred one plus strikeouts. Chapman's got to be. Yeah, you would think. Chapman uh, yes, Chapman is part of it. On May seventeenth, he did this. He had a hundred one mile per hour strikeout, and his teammate.
3: Who else do I even know out of the royal bullpen this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, Barlow.
2: Not Barlow. Who's the Hernandez? Hernandez. Oh yeah, Hernandez. Hernandez, of course. Chapman, did it on May seventeenth. Five days later, on the St. Louis
3: Cardinals, they did it. Jordan Hicks is one of them. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Helsley.
2: Ryan Helsley, yes. Okay. And then uh, last year, in the NL Wildcard uh, Game 2 series, NL Wildcard series.
0: You're expecting me to remember this. Yeah.
2: It was, uh, okay, it was the Mets. Diaz? Yes, Diaz is part of it. Not Tommy Hunter.
0: <laughs> no. You don't think?
2: Tommy Hunter was—I think he had one hundred point nine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Either Grant's getting this, or we're not <laughs> getting it. I should, there's zero chance that was, I remember.
3: Uh, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, we got to go quickly though, because I got to go. They did this.
2: This duo did has nah, done this nah, three nah. times. This Mets just, duo has done this three just, times. Who you did, said Diaz did. and their star- old starter.
3: it was a starter. Yes. DeGrom.
2: yes Jacob oh, DeGrom. Oh. I thought
3: we were still talking
0: about yeah Leavers. I thought it was too. Well, yeah, oh, I didn't realize that right. yeah, you, you might not have, it might be on okay. me okay uh, yeah.
2: and then in 2016 this Yankees duo did it Chapman <laughs> yes Chapman <laughs> Betances and Dylan Batansis. there you go yeah well done and then in Detroit the first time in the pitch tracking era in 2009 I don't even I've never heard of the first guy the starter you should be able to get Funny, this Detroit finally one without Chapman <laughs> yeah Price not Price. Verlander, Justin Verlander and Joel Zumaya. I, w- well, I, do, I knew it g- was I do the remember Joel, Joel guy. Zumaier, I knew
3: it was going to be him. Yeah. You know it was going to be Joel Zumaya? Yeah, I just yeah. forgot yeah. what his last name was. You probably should have said it. You would have <laughs> found well, it. For, I, really ni- I forgot what his last name was. Uh, all right. Zumaya. Joel Zumaya. Right. He had two I, strikeouts, I actually, in this. Yes. All right. Very good. Very good. It was very <laughs> right. impressive. There's no question about that.
0: All right. Let's 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 get Tubular for the evening. Tubular brought to you by Superbook. Use the code Glenn Clark 23 glennclark 23 and you will have your first bet up to $250 matched with a first bet bonus whether you win or lose. There's, there's literally no losing in that scenario. Got to use that code, Glenn Clark 23 G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-23, in order to take advantage of it at Superbook. Um, Nothing is the answer. There is nothing coming up tonight. It's what it is because the Orioles are off there. If you want to watch baseball tonight, Masson for Nationals Phillies at 6.30, ESPN Plus, Braves Pirates at 7, MLB Network Cubs Mets at 7, Giants Angels at 10, Little League World Series Regionals all day on ESPN. It's my least favorite part of the sporting calendar oh, absolutely on, least favorite part of it no thank you
2: the Bachelorette. hang on uh, hang on.
0: Uh, FS1 overnight tonight the uh, Women's World Cup continues Colombia and Jamaica at 4 in the morning and then Morocco and France follows that uh, friendly between uh, Liverpool and Darnstadt 98 whatever that is today at 2 o'clock on CBS Darnstadt. Sports Network uh, the Toronto and Montreal tournaments are underway in the ATP tour Coco Golf won the uh, DC event yesterday which yeah. is cool and then uh, USA tonight for WWE Monday Night Raw at eight. Some non-sports.
2: It is the Bachelorette night Monday night. American Ninja Warrior as well on NBC and on HBO Max. Well, I guess just Max. Sorry, uh, it is Kim versus Kanye the divorce. This is a ah, documentary. That's a, very an, important. an insider account of the divorce from the lawyers involved and their friends. As a society, yeah. we need that highlights from both perspectives. It looks at looks like it looks like it must be pretty co Kanye because it's like uh, the, the description is why Kanye fought so hard to save the marriage, but Kim was desperate to end it. Okay. Um that's what to
0: watch Kim versus You Connie. didn't include uh, Doesn't Only Murders Return at Midnight tonight? Uh that would I, I left it up on, on Tuesday. Yeah, but up on Tuesday. on Tuesday. Okay. On okay. All, right. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe you mentioned that it's okay. available at midnight, I don't know. It's available but at midnight. Yes, only, only new Susan of Only Murders. And there's something that's on uh, that comes back. Oh, I watched Winning Time last night. I was very uh. happy about that. And then I saw something else was either
2: uh, Hard, Knocks Hard Knox is back tomorrow. Yes, uh, Hard Knocks is back. Yes, correct. Hard Knocks is tomorrow night. Johnny Football yeah. untold tomorrow. That's well. right. Exactly so what the be... it
0: was. Those were the exact two things that I was trying to those think are. of that were this week. I'm not okay. even kidding. Those were okay. literally the two things I was trying to think of. Very good. All strong right. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, a lot going on on Tuesday. <laughs> Busy Tuesday, no doubt. Could have used any of those today when we have we nothing to Kanye. watch tonight? Yeah, that's a great point. There is that. If you haven't watched Winning Time, watch there Winning Time. Delightful. All right, uh, Grant, remind everybody you're on social.
3: 20-G-D-E-V-I-V-O, 20 G D V V on Instagram.
0: Good job. Thank you today. Thanks to uh, Storm Davis. Thanks to Drew. Thanks to Caroline uh, Means, and thanks to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all of it in the Greatest Hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at Clark Pitching Ninja tomorrow. Yes. Love Pitching Ninja. What's his actual name? Uh, Rob Friedman. Rob Friedman. Looking forward to catching up with Pitching Ninja to talk about uh, Jack Flaherty Mm -hmm. on tomorrow's program. Anything else?
2: Stuff and things.
0: Good deal. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners. Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County. Oh, boy. Hello. The Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook MD. Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go, nobody. Duke sucks.